0: hey guys another episode this week uh had a really long great conversation interview with tin horse monty gabe montgomery who is a content creator and youtube angler out of southern illinois uh definitely check out his information uh at tin horse monty uh on uh, youtube and other social uh great conversation we have we talk about all things spring bass fishing from early pre-spawn to pre-spawn to actually bedding and then what the fish do in the post-spawn and through the shad spawn so if you want to learn more about bass fishing spring fishing picking up a few techniques this is definitely worth the full listen thanks for tuning in and uh enjoy the episode it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, it's just you or... What's up, everybody? Uh, sound check, can you guys hear me?
1: Uh, <laughs> this is going to be fun. Uh, I can hear you. You guys might have to listen to Rich for a little while till I figure out what's going on here, because I got no. Can you hear me, Rich? Like wave up or nod your head if you can hear me. You can hear yeah. me. I can't hear you. I don't know why.
0: Is your laptop needed?
1: <laughs> this is exactly how you want to start. Um, you just act like I'm not here for a minute. Let me get this figured out. I might have to go get my daughter upstairs. She's a lot. She's a lot better at this little laptop than I am. <clears throat> Yeah, somebody in the chat, let me know if you can Talk hear about me. all the big fish you've been catching.
0: Yeah, so I don't know if it's just you can't hear me or if they can't hear me, because then that's a different problem.
1: I haven't had this problem before. I got you now. I got you. I told you I just had the wrong button pressed. All right. I'm only on this computer like once a week, and it's only been like, this is the third time me being on this computer. I just had it muted. So we're okay, good now, man. Awesome. About that.
0: All right, soft rolling start, but now we're uh, we're going. We uh, that's all right. We're letting a few people roll in. We got. Uh, we're we're almost a double digits already. This thing is uh, it's off the charts.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. Uh,
0: Yeah. So for those welcome tonight. Uh, as always, I guess this is now my third Wednesday night stream. Uh, we're gonna keep this going. Uh, so tonight I'm joined by Tin Horse Monster. He is a fellow content creator, YouTuber. Uh, we'll talk a lot about him uh, and uh, learn more about him. So while we're getting started, why don't you just, like, we don't even really know each other much. We've exchanged a few messages, a few comments, uh, a couple of DMs, but uh, it's not like we go way back. So why don't you just, I, I don't know much about you. Why don't you just uh, start in with a little bit?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I just sent, I sent you my phone number. I'm like, well, we need to at least have each other's phone numbers um i'm a letter carrier for united states postal service and um i got to got to help people out today that's why i'm running so far behind we had like four people calling sick so i got in there and i was expecting just a normal eight hour day and uh they had to split up a couple routes so my eight hour day turned into like a 10 and a half hour day so basically i got home about 20 minutes ago jumped in the shower and ate some chicken nuggets and came down here and got this all set up but uh no, I live in southeast Missouri, and I do most of my fishing in Missouri, a little bit in Kentucky, and then southern Illinois. Um, Carbondale is a little bit bigger town that you look on the map and see Carbondale. I fish a lot of the lakes in that area, so most of the videos you're going to be seeing are there, are, that you guys see are from that area. Um, most of the lakes over there are kind of small. They're 3,000 acres or less, and, yeah, and I fish several of the 10-horse um, motor lakes. And those, most of those are like two thousand acres or less. Um, so, I mentioned the ten horse. That's where my name coming comes in. Um, Montgomery's my last name, so that's where the Monty part comes in. Mm-hmm. And I fish a lot of ten horsepower limit lakes, and I do a lot of my fishing out of an aluminum boat, and that's kind of coined a tin boat. So. 10 horse is kind of a play on the 10 horsepower and then the 10 you know which is an aluminum boat and then you throw the money on the back side of it and that's kind of how I came up with the name for my channel which by the way I like uh I like your channel name hella bass I got a buddy that moved here from California he moved from Oakland California years ago yeah and when he moved here he was like oh that's hella cool oh that's hella dope oh that's hella bad and that's the first time I'd ever heard that word and then I was doing uh just looking for channels a while back and I ran across your channel okay i know i know what that word means i know all about that word so that's kind of how i kind of how i stumbled across your stuff but yeah Yeah. that's kind of that's kind of where i'm coming from awesome so
0: you you said uh and thanks south Georgia. he said uh, a couple guys shouting out saying thanks Uh, they appreciate you still delivering because that's obviously an important part these days uh people are doing a lot more online uh shopping and a lot more purchases whether it's omnia or attacking your house or another place and it's, it's nice that's like the one thing to look forward to if you're at home it's a new tackle um, but yeah so you you're from illinois uh as you said it's kind of the what southern central or what what part of illinois again i know you mentioned yeah, that but um, in illinois like maybe where how far south is chicago like People know where Chicago
1: is. About five hours south of Chicago, oh. we're right on the right on the Mississippi River. So um, St. Louis, okay. of course, is, is a big city in Missouri. And if you just go south, um, right along the Mississippi River for about a hundred miles, I'm Are you to uh, a little bit south of that. Even okay, sure. Um, okay. So I'm right in between St. Louis and Memphis, basically.
0: Yeah, sure. I think I drove through there on my way to Alabama last year. So right around there,
1: yeah. Interstate fifty five. I'm right off the of interstate. Uh, so that's the Missouri side but it's just a nice town um about 40,000 people the town I live in population actually I live in an even smaller town but you know that's the main population about 40,000 so I grew up in this area and man I've I've talked about leaving so many times you know how it is when you're young you always want to move away and you end up just kind of staying here you start a family and you got relatives and friends and next thing you know you're here and you finally just begin to appreciate the area. And, you know, the grass is always greener until you move over there and then the grass is greener on the other side. And, you know, eventually you just got to be comfortable with the grass that you're sitting in and water it and, you know, let it grow. And here you are. So that's where I'm at right now. And you're
0: pretty centrally located. Like, uh, I mean, you can access the Southeast, uh, not sure. I mean, a pretty easy day drive, right? You can get, you can get just about anywhere pretty good fishing in a in a day drive if you really want to. So um yeah. you don't really probably don't get you get probably very little ice down there, like right? you're right on that borderline where they really get you know, I'm sure some of the ponds freeze over a little bit. But for the most part it's open water all
1: year there, right? That's right, man. Yeah. What well, you just talked about it. I'm about two hours from Kentucky Lake and then I'm about five hours from uh, like Gunnersville and Pickwick and that kind of stuff down there in Alabama. But as far as ice, yeah, our winters are pretty mild compared to your winters. You know, um, every couple of years we'll get ice mm-hmm. thick enough that you can actually walk out on it. But it only lasts for a week or two. Most of the time we get that skim ice for a little bit. So you can't really walk out on it and you can't really cast into it. Um mm-hmm. So usually um, low 40s, high 30s is our water temps around here for the most part. You know, it, it's, it's like it's, even
0: even from northern Illinois, that's a big difference, right? Like if you live in the Chicago area, that's like <clears throat> you can bank on ice every year there. <laughs> so like that's. Uh...
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting where, where we live at um, the geography of this area. We've got the Ozark Mountains and you'll see a lot of. A lot of weather systems moving, you know, from west to east, and when they hit when they hit the the center, exactly, exactly. And we're even in a splitting point as well. A lot of that, a lot of that stuff will go about thirty miles south of us or thirty miles north of us, up or even even up into St. Louis. Um, so we're kind of in a we, we got a unique little area right here. It's pretty interesting to watch the jet stream and how it works through this area. Um, I was I going to say? Oh, Minnesota. What you're in Minnesota, right?
0: Yep, absolutely. Yep. Okay. I, so, I live uh, south of the Minneapolis area, <clears throat> so I'm just on the south side of the metro where I live. So, southern Minnesota, but uh, still plenty cold. Um, you ever been up here, fish at all? You
1: no, but I'm dying to get up there. I I, I got a buddy that um, is a guide on the lax, and mm-hmm. he lives in the southern Illinois um, area, and he's uh, – Man, he, he's dying to get me up there and I'm dying to go. So I'm kind of starting to put a little money in my sock so I can get up there.
0: So does he summer up there and guide like during this is that what is
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, he comes down, you know, he lives in this area and then he goes up um well he should have been up there already, but because of the quarantine type stuff that's going on, he doesn't even he's gonna get to guide this year. But he's 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 opener through um October. That's his guiding okay. season. Nice.
0: Make makes make some hay.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does all right, man. Yeah, I want yeah. I want to be there for sure.
0: Well, that's uh, I mean, yeah, Malax is 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 really good, and it's probably not as good as it was a little while ago, but it's still pretty awesome. And the other thing is that there's so many good lakes in the summertime when things start to get tough for you. I mean, like right now it's probably pretty good fishing still for you. Like things are, but I know I've fished in different places in Indiana and Illinois, and it gets, it can get pretty darn tough in the summer and into the. That's when things like you know, they stay pretty strong here for the most part. So like, uh, when you're, when you're in those, uh, dog days where things are really tough, that's when you want to go up and visit him or maybe we can get out or something like that. That'd be pretty cool. There's, there's an endless amount of fishing to do and, uh, a little bit different type of fisheries for sure up here. What, have I, what I've experienced, but, uh, we're going to, we're going to dive into some of those similarities and differences because we're going to talk all about spring fishing. I think we really wanted to cover kind of pre-spawn, spawn, post-spawn, uh, and kind of talk about some of our experiences, help people here on the chat that maybe uh, are just getting into fishing or maybe they've struggled in the spring or maybe they just want to get a little better. Like I said, I was like, I want to help you catch more bass and suck less. And the whole thing is like really, even like Kevin Van Dam, he sucks at fishing if you really think about it. Like He's like the best in the world and he wins like 6% of the tournaments he fishes and probably only catches fish on one out of... A hundred casts a day, or something like that. So, like, even if you can just up those percentages a little bit, all of us we can catch a whole lot more fish. So that's that's where the whole "suck less" thing comes. Because really, all we're all pretty good at fishing, I guess, but we're all pretty bad at catching. When you think about it, percentage-wise, <laughs>
1: that's very true. You know, you know, Mutt, he gets the rap of the fish of ten thousand casts. but Sometimes it's a bass. I mean, he's he's right behind him,
0: <laughs> especially in certain parts of the country at certain times of the year, for sure. Yeah. Uh, the only tournament I ever fished in Illinois was on the Peoria River uh in August. Uh, or the Illinois River, out of Peoria. And that was like whew, some of the toughest fishing. I caught one 12 incher in three days in a tournament. I believe it. Yeah. And I beat like and I beat like 40 guys.
1: <laughs> you just gotta catch one a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, we're uh we're right kind of in the middle of the spawn down here. Um sure. Our spawn kind of starts kicking off around early April Mm -hmm. and it goes all the way through, you know, we'll have some late spawners in June, but we're kind of kind of right in the heart of it right now. There's everything's kind of going on right now. It's more spawn post-spawn right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm kind of the shad spawn is kind of starting to kick off a little bit. And then, you know, you're going to have your bluegill spawning and stuff. So. I'm, I'm kind of anxious to get that frog bite going. Cause that's for me, that's when that frog bite starts happening is when the, when the, really when the bluegills start getting up there and the bass are kind of, you know, just kind of hanging out in the shallows, getting some free food, payback for all those, you know, nest robbers. <laughs> so you guys, you guys are probably, are you early pre-spawn right now or what?
0: Well, it's uh it's interesting. Cause like, we actually just had a little bit of a cold snap and if we wouldn't have had a cold snap, our southern lakes would probably be knocking on the door, because I was out Saturday on a lake about 30, 40 minutes south of my house, and the water temps were 56 to 57. So, like, our lakes aren't real deep, and they have a fair amount of dark bottom, just in general, and they got a lot of small bays. They tend to warm up super fast. Like, once that ice melts, things happen – really really uh fast uh thanks south georgia um and uh so like it's interesting you're talking about like april to june right like here i don't and people don't understand this in minnesota it all goes down in like two or three weeks <laughs> like it's because our season is so short and the ice on i think they just like when they get their window they go there isn't like There's, like, a minor wave and a major wave and a couple stragglers, and it's done. Like, like, uh, the the pre-spawn can kind of happen for a while, but, like, our ice usually comes off, I would say, on average, first or second week of April. And the fish are usually spawning by mid to late May and are usually done by the first week in June, at least in the southern half of the state. Yeah. And just, it happens that fast. Now, up, up north, some of the bigger lakes up north, the deeper water and some of that stuff and, and crystal clear stuff, that stuff can lag behind. Up north, there are some lakes where, like, some of the smallies and stuff will lag and, and probably maybe spawn into early July. But uh, it's it's interesting. It's really compact. Like, I, I fished a little bit down south, uh, and they talked about, like, when I was down in Gunnersville in April, there was fish that had been spawning for a month, and there was fish still pulling up, and there was, like, I mean, like, the further you go south and this thing goes true if you go down to Florida like they spawn like four to six months of the year like it just they they have this huge window and they just spread it out and I think the further you go north and the more the seasons crunched the faster they cycle it it's like they they, they the prime window and they just make it happen I, I don't know I think because <clears throat> they sit so long they want to come out of it and it's just like uh, instinctual that they just they go, it's like we're on a clock we gotta we gotta go we gotta go and I mm-hmm. think that's that's what happens up here and that's I'm not a
1: biologist but that's kind of how I see it What's up, yeah, I, know, I know uh I want to actually I want to address this one comment um mm-hmm. a. bass says uh thm did you uh, fill out a 39.96 so a 39.96 that's kind of a mailman inside mailman joke a 39.96 okay. is a room you fill out if you have uh, overtime So Mm -hmm. they uh, they authorize your overtime. So uh, no, Brian, I did not. I just I just started working, and I'll deal with that tomorrow. But um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Florida, I've actually heard that Florida, the water temps get so hot, they have to actually they wait till they cool down to spawn, Mm -hmm. which is the opposite of what we normally think of. I thought that was pretty interesting how that works down there.
0: Same in like South Texas, where my my dad winters in uh, or lives in Zapata now, and then summers in Minnesota, like on Falcon. And they have to wait till they get a cold snap to push the water down into the 50s again before they can start that cycle
1: out. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, it makes total sense, but you never you always think of it starting cold and going hot, but it's got to go yeah. the other way, I guess. Absolutely.
0: Um, so one interesting thing, you mentioned shad spot. So in your area, even the small lakes, most of them have shad in them?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Threadfin and gizzard shad. That's a common forage around here. And of course, uh, you know, bluegill, brim and stuff, but right. yep.
0: So up where I fish mostly, which is Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, almost none of the lakes have shadow. No gizzards, no threadfin. We have uh-huh. them in the We have threadfin in the Mississippi River. So like, if we go into like, in like even in the like Minneapolis, St. Paul, that going all the way down to Lacrosse, all the way down to where you live, Mississippi River has shad, but they're not in the lakes. In our natural lakes, it's mainly bluegills. Some of the lakes have shiners, uh, like gold shiners and things like that. Um, those are kind of dependent. Um, and then when you go up north, there's like emerald shiners and smelt and tulipy and these other oily fish that are more in these, these bigger lakes, more like pelagic uh, type uh, forage rainbow smelt, things like that. Um, but we just don't have shad, which I think is one of the big stumbling blocks when people like start fishing in Minnesota or Wisconsin in these natural lakes and they go down south. lure selection and what fish do are a lot of driven by their forage. So like you get used to fishing all these bluegill eaters and crawfish eaters, and then you go down south and you want to catch them the same way and they're, they're shad focused. I find when I go down south, spinner baits work better, crank baits work better, horizontal baits work better. Uh, up here, it's a lot of jigs and plastics, and we do catch them with crankbaits and things like that, but it's more like bluegill patterns and things like that. But they don't they don't react to a horizontal bait up here the way they do down south or even on the river when we fish, uh, when I fish the river a lot, like BFLs and things like that. So that's thats a big difference from where we fish to a lot of parts in the country.
1: That's really interesting. You got a uh, gobies. Aren't gobies kind of big up there, too, in a lot of those lakes? Just
0: mainly the Great Lakes. I'm not aware of, there might be a few lakes in, like, eastern Wisconsin that are close to the, the Great Lakes, where they might have, like, gotten in there somehow or transferred, right. but, no, for the most part, Minnesota and, you know, the main parts of the state unless you are really close to the Great Lakes, they don't have gobies, so it's okay.
1: awesome. That's uh That's, for some reason, I just thought that gobies were everywhere up there. I knew they were in the Great Lakes and stuff, but
0: and then a lot of perch, too. We have a lot of perch, and the fish will definitely feed on bass. or Largies and smallies will feed on perch. Do you have any smallies down where you are?
1: Yeah. Well, we have uh, – right in my area, there's a lot of small streams that have the okay. um, small mouth in them. I mean, a big one is is probably three pounds. Occasionally, there's a four-pounder caught. But um, you have to go down to Kentucky Lake, which is about two hours from, from my house, and they – Kentucky Lake, the population of smallmouth has really gotten strong there the last. Well, it's always been around, but it seems like since the Asian carp kind of got in that system, um, something's happened where the smallmouth have taken off. I don't really understand the correlation between the two, but you're catching a well, lot if, of smallmouth,
0: or if it's just coincidence, they're on an upswing at the yeah, same. Who knows? Who, I mean, it's, it, who knows, right? And the, I mean, the largemouth are also like on the decline, which could be carp related, could be grass related, could be. Pressure-related could be high water in the spring. Like there's a lot of things that could be affecting the largemouth. So maybe it's just you know the smallmouth have flourished a little bit with the the non-competition of the, the largemouth more than the increase of the carp. I don't know, right? I mean, who really knows? But it's good to see it because that's awesome. Like because uh, they get some big old digs. Like I mean, you don't catch a lot of dinks. If you catch a smallmouth in Kentucky, it's usually a, a jammer. Like they catch yeah, yeah. all of the ones. So. um that's awesome to see. Like, I would love to you know, see that become, I mean, obviously they do really well in Pickwick. They do really well in Wilson. Um, so it'd be great to see them start to gain hold in more TVA uh, systems. I mean, they are in Gunnersville. they are in uh, Chickamauga, but they're, they're irrelevant for the most part in those lakes.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting, well, you, you pretty much hit it. I think it was a perfect storm of all those different variables as far as uh. You know, the smallmouth kind of filling in that little void there that the largemouth had created. But um, do, you, do you guys have, um, I know we're kind of getting off the topic here, but uh, speaking about Asian carp, do you have an Asian carp problem up that way at all? Is it, is it got up there yet? Or?
0: I mean, there's been a few found and like some DNA found and a, a few random fish up in some of the pools up like just south of the cities. There's a pretty big uh dam with a pretty high like threshold right in like the Minneapolis St. Paul area that they don't really think they're going to get by um so they're definitely not a problem nothing like the Illinois River by any means um uh so Sycamore does it make sense to have a delayed spawn in a very deep lake if you're in Indiana I'd say yes the deeper the lake you are in you definitely have the potential to have a spread out spawn or delayed spawn because the surface temp may look like it's really warm, but in those deeper lakes, you know, them, if them fish are sitting down lower, that water is still cold. So if they winter deeper or they pre-spawn deeper, that cool water will keep them. Even though the pockets may get warm, they're still like, their gestation is, still has to do with that water temp. So I definitely think uh, that that is a possibility that it can definitely be A, delayed or B, prolonged because that might spread them out a little bit and like they might not just all come up. Like they would in a small, shallow lake. What do you, do you think? You agree with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. You know, and and ca- to kind of piggyback on that, um, that's why a lot of times you'll see as the spawn later into the spawn, you'll see some of those fish start spawning out deeper because they've got optimum water temps down deeper. You know, of course, it it also depends on the light penetration. But um, those first spawners, they've the water's only conducive for that upper two foot. Let's just say. Um, but as the season goes on, the temperature is, is warmer farther down into the water column. It allows them to spawn, you know, a little bit deeper. So it's, um, but yeah, just those pockets are always going to have the the first spawners in there, you know, upper river usually. And then in the shallower pockets and those main lake pitcher usually just a little bit behind.
0: Yeah. I think deeper, cleaner lakes, uh, I think they need a bigger window of consistent weather, whereas like in a shallow, maybe dirtier lake they don't need a big window like it warms up they think like they, they do it like they in those deeper cleaner lakes i think they want that longer consistent kind of warm weather that i think they can eat much easier get pushed off uh with some fronts kind of what uh what tom is saying here
1: um yeah that fishing gets uh when it turns on on those on those muddy lakes like that man it just it's like all of a sudden they're just there and they're biting and it's nuts for a while. And then everybody figures it out and everybody's the best fisherman in the world. And then <laughs> it's kind of done. And then it gets tough again. You know, it's just yeah, <laughs> you gotta get out there when it's going on or you'll miss it. I'm always, yeah. I'm always working looking at pictures of people holding up five and six pounders. And I always get the day where there's a cold front that pushed through or something. And I'm out there just trying to scratch my head and figure what's going on.
0: It's always raining and blowing on the weekends.
1: Uh, that's what makes us better though you know that's uh that's that's the thing about fishing is is uh you know this is as well as anybody but it's um it's never the same it it, you know even throughout the course of the day the conditions are changing there's so many variables it's it's hard to not overthink it you know sometimes you just have to go fishing and not think about it too much just kind of let your instincts kick in but there are so many variables out there and I know I took talk, I talked to you a little bit about that. Uh, I had a little theory on like the cycle of cycle of life and then the seasons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why it's so important to have time on the water, you know, because each the more time you have on the water, the more you put yourself in a p- specific condition, and the more you become familiar with how the fish react in that specific condition. And it just you you make decisions faster because after a while, if you fish for a while, it's it really comes down to decision making. Um, you you're proficient at your casting, you know, it's not like you're Gerald Swindle and you got to be able to skip a jig 20 yards under a dock. But if you can get a jig under a dock, you know, you can, you're not throwing up in the trees, your casting's decent. You can flip and pitch and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. It, it After a while it comes to the, once you've got the mechanics down, then it becomes a mental game and it's all about decision mm-hmm. making. It's all about um, not continuing to go through an area that you know is not you're not feeling it. It's not producing. You know, you kind of you can get lazy and just keep going down a bank for a long, long time. The next thing you know, you've been um, either going down that bank for an hour with the same same uh, presentation or you're switching up every five minutes. You know, an hour later, you're like I really didn't give anything a chance to produce for me. So I'm, I'm lost again. I don't really know what happened, you know, but it, it, it becomes a decision. The decision making is, is where fishing really is. And, you know, in, in my opinion. What,
0: yeah, hundred percent. What I, I think both in the in the in the macro and in the micro time on the water is important. I think in the macro, the more time you put on the water over time, like season after season, that prepares you to make better adjustments, react to things, weather, uh, water temperatures, new lakes. Uh, grass conditions wind like everything you see like you just start like oh yeah like okay you, you just get more in tune with the fish on a, on a macro level and you see more things in it and then you just don't get overwhelmed i think uh and then on a micro level like the more you fish like every weekend or a couple times per week if you can do that for the whole season you get comfortable with what the fish are doing and then like you're you're like, okay, I know they were spawning last weekend. Okay, they're probably still spawning a little bit. Like You can kind of keep on them. You like can follow their movements through the year. That really helps you understand what's going on. If you only go fishing like once every six weeks, it's hard to feel that confidence and that rhythm and like you just feel out of source. You're like, oh man, like oh, you just like starting from scratch all the time. Right. Um, so I think both uh, on a seasonal micro level and a macro level, the more you can fish, the better you're going to do. I mean, obviously you're going to have some bad days every now and then. Uh, but the more you fish, the more you're going to catch them. And that's just all there is to it. It's just, you know, I anything mean, like, it's like working out, like the more you work out, the more you go to the gym, the, the, the better your body's going to re- respond. And you know, whether it's running or playing basketball or fishing, and, and some of it's more on a physical level and some of it's more, of a, you know, fishing is more of a mental thing. Um, so yeah, absolutely.
1: 100%. Yeah. So just, just, just to expand on that one more time, because I just this lost. the uh, Gabe, I don't hear you. You don't don't hear
0: hear me? Did I press the button?
1: Still there? Can't hear me? Can you hear me now?
0: (laughs) Uh, Can you guys hear Gabe? Because I can't.
1: I can hear you. Or do we lose sound on everybody? I'm still there. I'm
0: to one do that. All right, you can. I'm. I'm only the one that can't hear him. All of a sudden. Okay.
1: So you can hear me. Oh, DJ says he hears both. Well, it's really hard for me to have a
0: conversation if I can't hear him. <laughs> the, I don't know sign language. That's not going to work for me.
1: I don't either. I don't know what I said. It's probably bad. Oh man. Kind of like Spanish. You
0: were huh? talking and it just disappeared.
1: Man, bummer. Uh, So Brian says, got "This is oh, and and I broad, I Bring them out. And bring them back in.
0: How about now? Say okay, something.
1: I can still hear you. Can you hear me? Can You hear me? No. Huh? Interesting. I don't know if I need to be doing anything. did that even happen?" I don't know. Maybe we were discussing some secret theory that probably government cutting us off or something. A lot of strange stuff going on nowadays. That's not useful. Sycamore outdoors. I like your comment there. (laughs) So you still can't hear me. Still can't hear me. DJ, man, um, DJ Hall asked, uh, "Since there's audio trouble, what should I throw at Clearwater Saturday?" So Clearwater guys out there, Clearwater is a is a impoundment that's about two hours away from where I'm at. So I guess he's going to go there and do a little fishing. I don't really don't. DJ haven't fished there ever. Um in headphones and see if that works. Last I heard, they were. They were biting on a dig off the old bank line because the water was was up a little bit. Um, But I've never been there, so I I really can't help you on that. I wish I could. What happened there?
0: Well, I can hear them all of a sudden. Can you hear me now? I can.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I don't know. All right. I have no idea what happened. That was crazy. Yeah, there Um, was a
1: Well, And then, boom, you were back. I was back.
0: I don't know if I touched some buttons or what. All right. So <laughs> I just realized that I can uh, actually put people's comments on the screens. Yep. I just learned something. <laughs> all right. Yeah. We only lost uh, one third of our uh, viewers during that time. Um, but uh, all right. So where were we? Uh, we were talking about uh,
1: time on the water. <laughs> we were talking time about. on the
0: water. Yeah. We we're yeah. talking about how. Uh, like, it's, you know, somebody had a pretty good comment here, actually. Uh, this one right here, uh, I'd rather spend four hours in the water and not catch a fish than a triple bogey or a par four. So yeah. I'd rather spend four hours in the water and not catch a fish than rather get a hole in one, honestly. So, um, <laughs> I'm with you, I'm with so, you. uh, yeah, I, I've golfed a little bit. I, I go about once every five years, whether I need it or not. So, um,
1: I'll do the mini golf so, as far as I go on it. Um, I don't know. I mean, my dad took me when I was younger a couple of times. But it just, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's I, nothing wrong with it. It's
0: just not my my jam. Like, I've, I've given up a lot of things to do more fishing because, like, as I've gotten busier with work and family, it's like I stopped playing softball. I've kind of put away with fantasy sports, uh, you know, just eliminated a lot of those things just to clear up and have more time to go fishing and, and you know, do more stuff for content creation. And I'd rather spend more time. Doing things related to fishing, then just kind of dilute myself. But you know, everybody else is to what they want to do. Yeah, I yep. cleared my muffled sound. I sound better. Well, that's good.
1: Real quick, before we move on, I want to kind of jump back to that topic we were just talking about because this might be sure. my only opportunity to share this with the folks up there Uh-oh. in Minnesota. This, this, is, this is going to get deep.
0: Prepare yeah. yourselves, guys.
1: Okay, so this is going to start out fairly morbid, but take it mellow, okay. So let's just say we all have 20 years left to live on the turf. <laughs> let's just assume everybody out there in YouTube land and, and myself included. So that's 20 years. There's four seasons in each year. So that is 20 opportunities to fish during each one of those seasons. Okay. So let's say you only get out on the water. I have a
0: whiteboard, like whiteboarding.
1: Yesterday. <laughs> We're going to do some physics. <laughs> <and> some <algebra. laughs> but Let's assume you only fish once a month. Okay. Let's assume a season is three months. Okay. So that is three chances you get to fish that season. Okay. So you see what I'm getting at with the time on the water. That's why the time on the water is so important. So the more the more you can get out on the water, the more you can put yourself in each one of those seasons. And life is short. Hopefully it's 75 years for everybody out there. But bottom line is The more you can go the more you can put yourself in those different situations and the better you become so i've just been kind of thinking about that the last couple years and it kind of put it into perspective about how you know time on the water is just as important as anything else out there or with family or whatever it is that you do you know but if you're going to become a better fisherman that's just kind of if you're only going out and kind of like what you just said about um if you only go Every six weeks, you're kind of lost when you go out there. But if you're able to go uh-huh. able to go a couple times a week, you can just kind of pick up right where you left off. You know, you can jump. You can just kind of stack all those trips together and, and put a pattern together a whole lot quicker. So,
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like the people that only go fishing once a year uh, for a week at a cabin. It's like, that's got to be tough. Like, I'm sure, I mean, like, you're going up there to be outdoors and enjoy nature, and you're probably – if you only go fishing once a year, you're probably more about just getting outside and roasting marshmallows and, and hanging out by the lake than you really are. But, like, um, so absolutely. Sycamore Dogs wants to know. His wife wants to know if my hair comes with the visor. And it's, it's not attached, but this quarantine flow is getting to be a real thing right now. Like, yeah.
1: You know, uh,
0: I'm, not- I, I, I'm, I'm this close to letting my nine year old cut my hair. So, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, well, we had to do that the other day. Um, my wife went out in the yard and I sat, a, sat her out in the yard and she just took some clippers out and just buzzed my head and my, my kids yeah. kind of my goatee I mean, knocked about an inch and a half off my goatee and I got to hit these sideburns though. They're getting kind of scrappy. It's kind of like yeah. my, uh,
0: I, I kind of go with this all year. It gets a little bushier and longer in the winter. And then I just kind of keep it a little tighter in the summer. But yeah, uh, I kind of like a, a visor and then the hood and the beard. I don't have a lot. And then sunglasses, like I don't have a lot to protect sun. I kind of like that. So, yeah.
1: So like a light filter, yeah, it just kind of filters the light and doesn't let it get into your eyes right. from the water. You
0: can, can see some things.
1: Um, or man, Gary says
0: we need to retire so we can fish every day. Well, Gary, we need you to sub and watch all our videos a whole bunch and share them with your friends so that we can just make content and fish rather than and give up our day jobs. We're, we're a little ways away from that, but uh, you can help us, Gary, achieve our goal, um, or at least make a boat payment. That'd be nice if I could just. Uh, get 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 the channel that uh to pay for my hobby a little bit more
1: well like the Un- on the okay, great Does i look
0: like well if i had my sunglasses i probably really would look like the unabomber with my hoodie on yeah and i'm a mailman this, this is this is what i look like when i fish like sunglasses hood up everything all shielded like you can see yeah. grass pockets stumps rocks fish uh you had to maybe talk about. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. You
1: had the coronavirus mask in there too. I mean, there would be no yeah. whatsoever. You I, I used book. to wear a
0: buff. I used to wear a buff a lot, but now that I've gotten used yeah. to wearing hoods, I feel like the buff is not needed. But yeah, I do. I use my buff to go grocery shopping now, which is which is weird. Um, right. Your buddy uh, BYB wants you to explain uh, your bed drop shot.
1: Oh man. No, we're not talking about that again. That's kind of a running joke, and, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll get a hold of you later, Greg. <laughs> so is this a sore
0: point and not a, uh, a hot technique of yours? or?
1: No, it's just a – okay, we were doing a live stream a couple weeks ago, um, sure. and I was talking about bed fishing with a certain technique, and I was being completely focused on the topic, and – his mind was in the gutter, and he spun around, and so now it's kind of a joke. So, a little bit of an innuendo of sorts. Yeah, we're gonna kind of, we're gonna just kind of leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah all let's, those let's, So let's maybe just talk,
0: let's rewind back a little bit. So like in Minnesota, we're still mostly pre-spawn. uh There could be fish, probably like definitely like we're gonna have a little warm spell like in the next. Week to ten days, I bet you fish are gonna start spawning here pretty good in the southern part of Minnesota. So let's let's talk and our season just opened Saturday. Like so we have seasons, so let's throw that out the window because that sucks. But let's think pre-spawn. Like what are your baits and what are you looking for? Like you said, your pre-spawn starts in April, right? Well, really really or, uh,
1: or like, I mean not May, okay. I'm sorry, March. March. Okay. Yeah. Really March. Um and and that's kind of a jerk bait deal for us down here. And I
0: I guess maybe how, what what to you, where you live, what do you define when winter stops and pre-spawn starts? Maybe start there.
1: Well, it's got to do with the length of the days. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. usually, God, that's that's kind of a gray area. But you'll start to see, um, you start to see the water temps moving up into the mid-40s and upper 40s. And you just kind of, you kind of just, see the fish becoming a little more active i do it's kind of hard to explain but you'll catch some fish a little shallower um you you can start moving the jerk bait just a little bit faster and it's it's a real gradual process but usually um usually when that water gets in the mid 40s probably 46 47 48 that's when i'm kind of getting excited because i know the fish are going to start slowly making their way to you know right. their, the staging areas and stuff. So
0: that's where you're like, you're, 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 maybe like, instead of just focusing on main lake stuff, right? You're starting to look at secondary points and things like at least aiming towards backs of pockets. I mean, like, right? Like the fish are starting to move, even though they may still be deep, they're starting to move and transition towards where they want to be.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you'll, and you'll, um, you'll have, You'll have better days. You know, you'll catch a few more extra fish because a lot of times in the winter around here, um, it's hard to just catch a couple fish. Some days, I mean, it can mm-hmm. get really, really tough. But all of a sudden, you'll have that day where you're catching uh, five or six or seven fish. And it just seems like they're getting a little more active, and then they're they're of course, you know, when you catch one that's really fat, they're you know they're gorging up and they're starting to mm-hmm. you know their eggs are starting to happen. Um, but yeah, that's basically what you said. I, you know, we have a lot of grass lakes around here, too. And a lot of those fish will actually stay in, or relate to the grass throughout the whole winter. They won't move. Um, they don't make the movements like a traditional, like, Highland Impoundment Lake or something. You right. know, where they really get out deep and they have wintering areas. So a lot of these fish are kind of, they are they don't have to swim very far at all to be where they need to be. You know, they, they mm-hmm. may migrate. Uh, 200 yards to go from their wintering spots to their actual spawning spot so right. they're going to be in that area but they're going to be um they're basically the just the metabolism you can kind of tell that they're they're a little more um they're feeding up a little bit you know you catch them you're catching more fish a day and and you can tell that they're starting to get a little fatter more healthier sure sorry
0: to give, get a little color
1: That's a little color white okay. yeah
0: yeah, so quick question. before. Mark says, do you think bottom color of a boat is important in clear water? Should I paint it baby blue to match this <clears> guy? <throat> I don't think that's necessary. I think as long as you avoid bright colors, like I definitely wouldn't want like a bright red or I wouldn't want uh, a neon green bottom of my boat. I think as long as it's kind of flat and dark. I mean, I know there was some guys for a while that wanted to put metal flake. I knew a guy that was like he thought if he had metal flake on the bottom instead of like a gray right, in that, or a white, that that reflection would like be like minnows that would actually like attract bait fish. And so, I mean, it's all upstairs, I think, honestly, yeah. but, uh, I probably would, I mean, uh, if you're in super clear water and you do a lot of shallow or sight fishing where the fish are very visual, I think you probably don't want super bright colors below your rub rail. Um, but I don't think you need to do anything special. Uh, I mean, they're going to know you're there. They can feel you. So, um, but right. if, if you're in a boat, you're moving water, and they can feel you. So I wouldn't get too caught up on the color.
1: Um, so if you, had if, if you had the hydro wave going, and you had the, the sparkle fleck on the bottom of the boat, bass could maybe literally hit the bottom of your boat. Maybe. That, <laughs> the Northerns would for sure? They're dumber in a box of rocks. Yeah. I do um, <clears throat> Boat color. So, so
0: in Minnesota, it's interesting because we have ice until be- usually, I mean, most of the time, late March, early April uh, to mid-April is when the ice comes out, at least in the southern part of the state. Sometimes in northern Minnesota, our opener fishing season is like this last week and Mother's Day Saturday, and sometimes they are still waiting for the ice to break off the lakes up there. Um, so there's an interesting phenomenon here, at least what I've observed, is that within that first week of ice out when we get some more water, the fi- a good chunk of the fish go super shallow, like into boat caves, into shallow reed, kind of cattail, like muddy bottom bays. The bluegills go in there, the, the, the crappies go in there, the bass go in there, the pike go in there. Everything goes up to like feed on like that fresh activity, like that warm water, the, the snow melting in through the, and like the bugs and the min, I don't know. There's all just a big life like happens. They all go up, they feed for a little bit, and then I to kind of pull back, like, out to the weed edges again. Like, you, like, go up, and then it's like, okay, we're going to go back and set up again. It's it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. And so and then that lasts probably, I don't know, a month to six weeks of kind of pre-spawn where they're going to hang out on those edges and they're going to move up into the flats. Uh, they're going to move into the bays where they're going to stay, like, not up where they're going to spawn, but they'll drop back <clears throat> into the weed flats is where I kind of caught my fish this week. Is they were, they were not up in the shadow one to two feet pad stems and hard cover. For the most part, they were, they probably were up there and then they probably pulled back again. They were kind of went up, they looked around then they came back with the cold front. Um, and so I think the guys that did the best this weekend, which I would have wished they were probably more like six to 10 feet fishing. What was left of a weed line adjacent to those kind of spawning bays. <clears throat> um, and uh yeah we we did okay on reaction baits swim digs and chatter baits uh in that like three to four foot two to four foot zone but i think we could have caught more consistent and bigger fish so we dropped out and maybe drug a jig in like six in the lake i was in probably like five to eight feet and some of the other lakes are a little cleaner maybe like eight to twelve so mm-hmm. um,
1: yeah that makes sense it's hard to do that though when you're on the opener, you're ready to go. You're ready to rock and roll. I just, you like, want to
0: like you just want to go up there and just crash into them up shallow and just like and, and knock their their heads in. But it didn't quite happen.
1: Yeah, we're usually on the fish. You know, we're we're uh, you know our our bodies are nice and toasty and stuff, and they're kind of still cold. So we're usually
0: yeah
1: up and ready to go, and they're just kind of waking up sometimes. And that
0: goes back to that. Like,
1: had I been fishing more, I
0: probably would have known they weren't going to be up there. Like I would have been prepared and been more like I could have went up and like, like okay, it's not quite, uh, probably would have adjusted much quicker.
1: Right. Yeah, I see uh, Backyard Bassin in there said something about spinnerbaits with Colorado blades. That That's another bait that I use a lot in the in the early pre-spawn because, like I said, we got a lot of grass in those. Like, when the water's really stained in our area and probably throughout the country, you've got foot of visibility or left that jerkbait bite, it doesn't totally go away but bottom line it's easier for me to get a reaction bite in the when that water temperature is like 42 43 on a big colorado blade kind of slow big colorado blade spinner bait kind of slow rolling through that grass and stuff um so that's i just i just saw that comment from backyard bass and, and that kind of kind of bring that up that's that's one of my confidence baits in the in the late winter early spring and that stained water yeah. I, I, definitely, I
0: definitely know guys that really like it on the Mississippi River where we get the mud. I think as most of our lakes are so clear that <clears throat> that big thumping, like yeah. rough, it's a swim jig and a bladed jig most of the time. A sw- for me early, like a swim jig, and then once it warms up, then I like that bladed jig. It all depends on the day. Like if it's super glass calm and like I'll throw a swim jig, get a little wind like I had last weekend, then it seemed like the the bladed jig was a little
1: better. So. Yeah, that Colorado blade goes away when when it's, <laughs> when it, that when the water starts getting about a foot and a half visibility, if you don't have mm-hmm. an overcast, it, it just gets tougher and tougher. I mean, it's golden when the, when the conditions are right. It's a, it's a really specific technique to certain conditions. And I. And I big, one big hubcap, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> I like a size eight. That's my, that's nice. the, what I like to throw. It puts off a lot of water and they can, they can feel it. For sure pick it up almost like it's it's like the original
0: chatterbait almost like before chatterbaits were chatterbaits the old single colorado
1: yeah right exactly they still do you like
0: a trailer on that or do you throw it just the skirt or
1: no, oh, i throw a big swim bait on there okay I got uh, tail. yeah exactly um that berkeley grass pig is kind of a stiffer uh-huh. swim doesn't have a lot of action yep. it's got a really big profile um, mm-hmm. And I, I like the living rubber on the skirt too. The round rubber. I think it makes a difference. Hard to find, um, so I actually bought some skirt material and um, tied it up myself, which is a pain in the butt because that stuff you can't just pop it. You know, like a traditional skirt and it pulls up. You, know, you got to actually manually peel. There you go. Something like yeah. this. This is the uh,
0: gambler easy swimmer.
1: But yeah, pretty yeah. similar
0: to the grass pig. I'm pretty sure this is what Berkeley was going for when they came out with the grass pig was knocking off this Florida style
1: easy swimmer swim bait. So Yep, it's real similar. Real similar. Take that down. Give it a little bit of lift so you can slow it down even more. Because I'm I'm usually got a if I'm running like a number six or number seven Colorado blade, I like a three quarter ounce hit on it. if I'm going up to that eight, I need a one out to keep it down. Um and that, that swim bait it gives it just enough lift, you can really slow it down and you got that big old nasty profile. You don't catch a lot of fish, but your quality is a whole lot better. You know, most of your fish are three to six pounds that you get.
0: And I think, to me, when I hear you doing that, because you have gizzard shad, I think you're you're that's imitating a big rogue gizzard shad, which to a big fish is like an easy meal. And it's like I'm cold, but I'm getting ready to spawn, so I need to eat. And it's like I could chase a bunch of these little thread fins and bluegills around, but if I can eat one of them eight inch. Nine inch gizzard shads, that's that'll get me through, you know what I mean? Like,
1: um, yeah, if I'm, I getting, I think off, that's, if I'm getting off the, to walk the refrigerator, I'm gonna grab a steak, I'm not gonna grab like the blueberries, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's so, probably, I think that's that's one of
0: the things that I think drives a lot of the bait differences. Why you see like spinnerbaits and things like that work, uh, and I think that's why another that buzz baits don't work up here, but why the buzz baits can be so deadly at different times of the year down there, I think it just those lakes that have gizzard shads, I think it, it, it creates a different response and instinct than those big bass. They just, they like that. And I think certain baits provoke that. Um, so.
1: yeah, percent uh, bet on that.
0: So we roll in, let's talk okay, kind of like we're talking about early pre-spawn and then getting into like immediate pre-spawn. What kind of things do you like to switch up to then? Or what, what are you looking for where you
1: are? Well, um, a lot of times I'll start throwing that crankbait around. I'll start throwing like a, uh, DT 10 DT six or like a rock crawler wiggle wart, um, flat sided crankbait, like, a you know, a shad wrap or something like that. When that water starts getting, um, you know, about the same time, right. The jerkbait and all that stuff kind of start playing about the same time. You know, usually the, depends on the water clarity, of course. But those those fish are going to start staging up a little bit more. They're going to be, um, you know, a lot of times they're going to, they're going to be using the lead in banks. Um, say you got a big bay or something. I'm I'm kind of thinking of Kentucky Lake here is what's coming to my mind. Um, they'll move off of more of the main creek channel or river channel stuff, and they'll go on these these lead in banks, and then they'll start stopping on these secondary points, moving back. But I'm going to be targeting those with um with a crankbait a lot of times. Um, like the crankbait and of course an Alabama rig, you know, I hate to say it, but gosh, I i don't fish that much, but I do fish it in the wintertime and it catches a lot of fish. Seems like uh if they won't hit like an underspin or a small swim bait or jerk bait, that Alabama rig is is clutch and you can you can use that to just kind of find fish. Um there but, but the lead in banks, secondary points and stuff like that coming in, um what I'm kind of starting to look for. You might get a big bite every once in a while. Um, and That's kind of strange around here. We usually get a winter jig bite. Yep. I, like
0: I love the DT six pair too, Bill. Good <laughs>
1: crankbaits, it's a good solid crankbaits. Um, yeah, I like the shad wraps. I'm not interrupting you. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah shad wraps
1: like are really good, especially.
0: That's a a super underrated cold water crankbait is the shad wrap. Mm-hmm.
1: It really is. It really is. It does. It catches a lot of fish, and you know, you don't have to be on the bottom with that that catches suspenders really well. You know, I, I kind of been figuring that out the last several years. I catch just as many fish, um, just coming along outside of the grass line. They just come out and suck it in. or You're coming right. Across, right above them.
0: It's not a fish. It's not a crankbait. You have to hit bottom to catch them for sure, which oh. is not, like a lot of crankbaits. You want to be hitting bottom, but a shad wrap like this guy was this like a number seven, maybe, or whatever this is. I'm not sure what this is, but like, yeah, like that—that that little flat-sided, super subtle. Like <clears throat> you want a pretty light day caster? I mean, a lot of guys even throw them on spinning rods, um, but it, it is not easy to throw. It throws like a potato chip.
1: Yeah. Um, and they make other versions of that. You know, they make like the frenzy shad and the lucky shad. You know, they're they're similar. But I, yeah, there you go. That's that yellow perch color, huh? Yellow. Yeah,
0: perch right here can be good.
1: Yeah, I throw it on a spinning rod. Um, I just throw it on a the same thing i would drop shot on like a six foot eight medium light kind of what i'll be. be throwing like probably 15 pound braid with a seven pound floor leader i mean not seven seven foot 10 pound floor leader eight pound floor leader something like that
0: um, i got this promotional mountain dew colored one
1: that's pretty crazy dude wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i've ever thrown it but uh I have a I have a Dobbins six eighty four crankbait rod that I'll throw like flat sides on and, and shad wraps and things like that with a kind of size fifty reel that throws light baits pretty well and I'll throw really small jerk baits on that like um so yeah up here like like I said it happens pretty quickly so that window of like jerk bait is like what I like here I would say the pre pre spawn like up to about fifty like upper forties to low fifties is what I would use a jerk bait here and fishing more kind of, you know, four to 10 foot type water. Uh, and sometimes that goes by really quick here, like uh, on our lakes, like it can just like, I mean, like you miss a weekend of fishing, you might've missed the pre pre-spawn. Like it just happens like nothing. Um, and then, you know, for me, uh, and then I would say on some of the lakes that have a little bit deeper wood, that can be good. Uh, kind of early pre-spawn, like they'll get up and and, kind of stage on some of that. Um, and then a lot of our lakes, when it gets to be the pre-spawn, they're going to get like, I really, they'll get up in like any light, like a piece of wood in a shallow bay or old pad roots or old pad stems. Like they'll just kind of like get up there, like just before they're going to go, um, you know, the docks going into the mouths of bays and things like that. That's all stuff. And then, um, then it, you know, swim jigs, chatterbaits, uh, soft plastics. It's it's kind of a, I mean it's pretty you know pretty basic deal up here I think for the pre spawn the the window that it happens.
1: Um, yeah, that's basically. I see Bill's comment there about the jackhammer and the, and the little dipper. Yeah, uh, that's. I'm I'm with you on that. I'll be throwing that same thing once that water gets in the low fifties. Um, that's when I'm going to pick in, in a black and blue swim jig. I caught, a, I had a lot of good days this year, um, last couple of months with that black and blue swim jig, um, that white jackhammer, half ounce jackhammer with a the, the little dipper on there, the like the white trash color or mm-hmm. even the white with the blue pearl top on it. Just, I'll put a little bit of chartreuse on the tail and just go to work. If you know, they're if you know they're up there and they're on that wood, like you're talking about they're they're really um, getting on the hard cover. Um, that's a great way to catch them, but but I I need that water to be for me mentally it needs to be up in the low fifties before I feel that I'm going to catch them. You know, using the moving baits covering a lot of water. But, yeah, hundred percent. Especially
0: for a largemouth, there's something about fifty or fifty two, right? That 50. like like changes things big time for them. Like there's a big difference between upper forties and low fifties for a largemouth, in my opinion. Yeah. So and, and that's, cool. that's a big, big, Like you can still catch them, but that goes from like you go from jerk baits. And shad wraps and that kind of stuff, or maybe a, a slow moving spinnerbait. And then when it goes into that low 50, I think that's when it's like lipless, uh, yeah. fast moving chatterbaits, uh, like the quicker spinnerbaits, right? I mean, I guess.
1: Right. All that stuff starts coming into play. It's a, like you said, it's a whole new group of on your deck, you know. It's just kinda of, you can even throw a frog in there every once in a while. I'll catch a few fish oh, yeah. 52, 53 on a frog. It's not consistent, but every once in a while, if the sun's mm-hmm. out and it just looks out, you know, you can sneak one off off a flat or something with a frog. Um yeah, man, that's that's kind of where, you know, um our water temps are like 64, 65 right now. They've been kind of holding in that that time frame for quite a while. It just kinda of stalled out. We've we've been having some warm, sunny days. We'll have a little stretch of the two or three, four, you know, sunny, sunny bluebird skies. And then we'll have these fronts push through. Like the last couple of days, it's been raining. We've had cold rain. It's been in the 50s. So that water's starting to come up and then it just stalls. So we're just kind of kind of holding right there in that pattern. It's been going on for a for long Yeah. And actually, you mentioned that this, that's
0: exactly, if you watched the video and I actually showed where, like, I wasn't catching much. And then I put uh, a skinny dipper on the back of my bladed jig and I trimmed that paddle tail off. So it was just, and I instantly caught like seven or eight fish to Bill's zero. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what it was, but that definitely. Uh, uh, Sycamore says, yeah, his summer lake property, uh, bluegills, crappies, perch, crayfish, hundred percent. Know the forage on your lake that drives bait decisions and what fish are doing more than don't get too caught up on what the pros are doing in uh in you know alabama or arkansas if you live way up on national north lake where there's no shad like that you can still learn things but don't get hung up on that exact bait and that exact color because it could be could be a great bait but you might need a slightly different color or a slight different retrieve or slight, you know different time of the year so um that's all about you know being in tune with your lakes um, bill says don't sleep on the sixth sense brown eye. I don't have the brown eye, but I do, I did catch some pretty good fish on uh, I think I had put it in my tackle box because I like, caught them. But yeah, I got, I guess a chartreuse shad one that I did pretty well on over oh, right here. Yeah, this one. Like, I've only thrown this one time, really, and I, I caught quite a few smallies. I caught some allies. I, I caught some northerns. Yeah, I, I'm, this is a bait that I definitely want to throw some more of. Yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm kind good. I'm new to the Sixth Sense stuff. Last couple of years, I mean, I I bought some of the Cloud uh, twenties, you know, the deeper diver crank bait, and then um, I've got some of the Provoked jerk baits. Caught some fish on those, um, but I
0: want to try those. I haven't tried those yet, but
1: yeah, they're they're they cash really well. They've got a little bit different action, uh, but you know, I tend to find something that I like. And I don't I don't vary too far away from it because next thing you know. I like what you've got behind you. (laughs) Yeah,
0: like, and then, like, like I said, like, there's only so much room in a boat, so uh, I will say that Bill said, you know, turn uh, that dipper upside down, which is a good option, but also just trimming it off flat like that, especially if you're, like, let's say you got a pocket where you've been catching them, uh, change it up. Try trimming that tail off, and you might give them a little bit different vibration, a little bit different, uh, or you're fishing with a guy. It's something to experiment with. that definitely changes the action of the bait and can and produce more
1: fish. So, um, yeah. yeah. and you can you can do the same with a, with a bait versus a swim jig. Obviously, sometimes you know you're catching the same. I don't, I don't trim. I guess I, I haven't tried trimming a paddle
0: tail off a swim jig because I feel like that's an essential part of getting that action. But not saying it wouldn't work, but it definitely would be like really subtle then to trim the paddle tail off a swim jig.
1: Right. Well, what I meant was, if if you're going through an area with a chatterbait and you quit getting a oh, sure. yep. swim jig. You know, it's the same same 100%. kind of targeting, but it's a little more finesse approach. Yeah, absolutely,
0: for sure. Um, yeah, that's and especially just uh, just because you were catching them on a bladed jig in the morning or last weekend, or if if it like slicks off or gets super bright. Definitely consider the swim jig. Like, if if you got clouds and wind or sun and a decent amount of wind, the chatterbait usually keeps going. But if you start to lose and it gets calm and slick, that swim jig will usually outproduce that bladed jig, uh, especially if you have any kind of like water clarity.
1: Um, Right. Agree with that 100%.
0: My fish had bright orange crawfish in their throats. So the brown (laughs) eye worked awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing. Pay attention to what's happening, like, especially if you, if you're in a, dirt, a tournament or you ever put fish in your live wall and you start seeing them like regurgitate things, uh, pay attention, right? Like if, if you're reeling in fish and they got shad tails or perch tails or uh, bluegill tails sticking out of their throat, that's a sign. <laughs> a
1: <pretty> different <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, same way with if you're fishing a jig on the bottom and you're reeling it in, and one's following it. That right there can be a big clue. I, I've, uh, I've, Unfortunately, not paid attention to that enough. Just uh-huh. an obvious thing that happens, and you ignore it because you're you you just want to pitch. You know, you're just locked on that pitching. But there's been many times where if you make that change, you're going to start catching a lot more fish.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Like if you're fishing docks or laydowns, and you're starting to see fish swim out after your bait when you reel it in, try swimming it. Try throwing a chatterbait down that log. Try throwing a square bill like check. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, or maybe like, and it could be that they want something horizontal. It could also mean they want a different color, right? Like if you're flipping a black and blue, try swimming that black and blue. If that doesn't produce anything, maybe try a green pumpkin or, or something like that. So, or,
1: yeah. a, or a white or something like that. Um it's kind of hard to, it's hard to decide if that fish was actually following your bait, but just wasn't committed. And when you reeled it up off the bottom, he swam after. It just hasn't had an right. Or if that fish is suspended... And you're reeling it in and you come by his face and he's chasing it. So that's the little piece that you got to put together. But you can figure that out pretty quick. If you start just uh, swimming that jig and you start getting that same result, you'll know that that's what you need to be doing.
0: Yeah. Well, here in Minnesota, you can usually see right by the boat. So you can tell whether they came up or whether they came under the dock or, or whatever. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so like let's talk about getting into the spawn. We're an hour in. I usually like to keep these about ninety minutes. We that's not like a hard fast rule. But uh so what what do you like? I mean, do you can you see a lot of the fish or is your water clarity such that you end up just blind fishing for beds? What what is it like where you are?
1: It's a lot of just blind fishing. This is the first year. Um and I mentioned this in a video that I just I processed it last time. I just oh, I'm here probably Saturday or something. But I'm talking about being on this on this local lake. And it's the first time in three years where I've actually been able to see some fish on bed. Normally the water is high and it's um a foot to a foot and a half visibility. And you've got grass mixed in there too. So you really don't see those fish. Um so if you're not gonna be, you know, if they're not gonna be hitting the moving baits like we talked about earlier. Um, I'm usually, I'm dragging something, um, a jig, a tube, a, a baby brush hog, a cinco, that kind of stuff. And you're just kind of, um, you're, you're in high percentage areas, but you're, you're basically kind of fan casting or you're pitching to lay downs and stuff, places where they'll be, um, set up with a bed underneath, you know, they like something over their head, if at all possible, they feel a lot mm-hmm. more secure underneath there. So, um, isolated targets, but if I'm fishing, if I'm fishing like an expansive weed area, I'm going to be throwing one of those four plastic baits. And, um, that's, that's really what I key on, you know, um, if I, if, if a front's coming through and I think I can get them to come up off the bed, um, and, and hit a chatter bait or spinner bait or a swim jig or something, then I'm certainly going to be doing that. But, um, on those days when it's kind of bluebird skies and they're not really committing, I'm just going to be fan casting, drag, dragging stuff through their beds.
0: So two things that makes me think of, like, one, a lot of times you can use that spinnerbait, chatterbait, swim jig, and they may not commit to it, but they may come up and bump it or roll on it or help you understand. And that's when you know, okay, now I need to slow down in those areas where I had those bites, right? Um, or maybe you go through there quick and you catch a couple and you go, you know what, there's probably a whole lot more here. Then you go back through and, 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 and dead stick a singo or drag something through there or a shaky head or whatever. I mean, I think it's more about what do you have confidence on? Uh, and something that you're confident in fishing slow. And I think the one thing is, like, if you do think they're on laydowns, if you do think they're on pad stems, if you do think they're on, you know, grass clumps or whatever, you need to fish it slower if you think they're in the spawn than you would in the summer. Like, you need to, like, fish it through there like there's a bed, like you can see it. Make repeated casts to the juiciest things um, because if they're just guarding – you may need to, to really slow down to, to, or if you go through an area and get a couple bites, don't be afraid to go through there and really mine it, uh, with something slow. If you feel, if the water temp is 63 degrees to 66 degrees, if everything tells you they're spawning and you can't see them, you got to fish like they are spawning, like, you know, they're there.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. You know that, you know, and, and you got to think about it. Um, slowing down is so key. It's hard to do. Um, but it's very important in the spawn because, you know, those fish don't want that object on their bed. But if it's just only on their bed for a second and then it's moving on, a lot of times they're just going to let it go by. But if you're if it's sitting there for, you know, three, four, five seconds and then you're pulling it another couple of inches and you're pulling it, you know, you're, you're, the odds of them actually picking that up are, are greatly increased. But it, But it is hard to fish slow, especially after that pre-spawn mode because you're used to just whacking them. Moving down the bank really, really fast, and your mindset is cover water, cover water. You got to completely change, and slow down, and it's hard to it's hard to make that transition. It makes it it takes a few trips to make that transition for me personally. You
0: know. Yeah, and that's where that goes back to that experience, right? Like if you've been through enough seasons, you're gonna feel that change faster, right. and you're gonna be able to like make that uh, adaptation. So. Yeah. Nice. So you, one of the baits I really like when I can't see them. Uh, when I know them is a is a ring fry and I'll throw that on like a four or five odd hook like a lake fork ring fry uh, and sometimes I'll put a really small like you know weight on there or something or sometimes not at all but it's I like it because it moves water it's subtle it's like a Senko but a little bulkier and uh, it does a good job imitating a brim I think which fish definitely hate when they're on the bed so that's a bait that I really like in the spring uh, especially when I'm line casting, even when I can see them, it's good too. But like it skips, you can get it around stuff. Um, there's a lot of good baits. I mean, obviously any stickworms are good baits. Wacky rigs are really good that time of year. Something that has, I, I think especially where I live and where the, the fish are fairly shallow, something that falls horizontally, like a stickworm, uh, a really light Carolina rig, like what I call a mojo rig, if, you're, if your bait can have a little bit more of a flutter or horizontal fall to it, I think sometimes that coming down in a fish's bed zone will trigger them more than just like a, a tube skirting through there or a baby brush hog. But that's just kind of personal preference.
1: The wacky rig too. You know, a wacky rig yeah. it's doing exactly what you're talking about. And it's funny you said baby brush hog, but you've been showing all these baits and I feel like I'm left out here. So I had a couple rods sitting over there, but that's, that is one of my, uh, now on an eighth ounce weight, this has actually got a quarter ounce. Of weight. If I'm fishing shallow, I'll be putting an eighth ounce weight with that baby brush hog on there, fishing those heads, and uh, that seems to be getting a lot of bites in in my neck of the woods through that shallow grass and stuff. And the two works too, and the cinco, all the stuff that of course, you mentioned.
0: Hundred percent, baby brush hog is a completely underrated bait. Um, yeah, I catch fish on the river. I get fish in natural lakes. I've caught them down south. Just figure out like. If the water's clean, go with a watermelon green pumpkin. If you got darker water, you can go green pumpkin with lighter flex or a black blue or a black purple. I mean, like, just match the colors to your conditions, and, and yeah. that thing gets better. Like, um, the other thing I like, I like a baby brush hog, is it's got those little tentacles, and it bluegills will come in and mess with it. And a lot of times I think that will, the bass will be like, what's he doing? What, what <laughs> What's yeah. he messing with? Yeah. Like, I think that can draw attention uh, on a mm-hmm. tough bite or, like, if there's bluegills swarming his beds and a bluegill's grabbing you, like, and he's like, oh, like, I think uh, things that, you know, look menacing to a bed can be really good. I think it's a nice hybrid that looks like a crayfish. It looks like a lizard. It could be a bluegill. It could be a lot of things. I a mean, big brush hog is just a really, it's, it's got enough mass to look in to, to, to make the bass on edge, but it's not so intimidating where they just don't want to, they don't feel intimidated to pick it up and get it out of there.
1: Well, don't you know, chase too. Yeah, the, for sure. Yeah, uh, last several years I've been playing with playing around. With them. Um,
0: so, the last thing uh, on if you're getting bites and you're missing them, like keep throwing in there. Like, if your bait's moving off and you're missing them, they're probably like that's a dead sign okay. they're on a bat. If your bait's swimming off and you're setting the hook and missing them, keep stick stick with it until you catch that fish. You're going to catch it most of the time.
1: Or you um, get that bump, you right. get that bump. Real hard, and you set the hook, and it's air. That that's been happening. You know, that's that, that. That fish is. I mean, I guess is he letting go of it right then, or he's just slamming it to move? No, but man, it
0: out, it's hard to say without seeing him. And I definitely have seen that too. Like sometimes you need to like. There'll be days where you get like that bang, and you just need to let it sit there until it swims off. Like,
1: you do. <laughs> <it's>
0: hard to do. <laughs> yeah, know. but if it's happening, keep presenting back there. Uh, Gary Maynard, has had a question for all thunderstorms. How do you fish that 65 degree water range should be warm uh, to me, unless it's like when you say thunderstorms, um, as long as it's not like a really bad thunderstorm where it's like really blowing chatter baits, spinner baits, buzz baits, reaction baits, during that time are usually the best bet. I mean, a reaction bait in the water column where you think the fish are. So right. that could be lipless crank baits. It could be DTC. I mean, whatever, However deep you think those fish are, I definitely would fish reaction baits in that situation.
1: Also yeah, and a lot of times look for if you know an area that has a run in, if you've got steep hillsides and stuff, and there'll be little ditches, little drains and stuff that come in off the hillside. You can seek that kind of stuff, and you're going to have water coming in, and that's washing um, just particles, little worms, little bugs, whatever. 65 degrees is warm enough to key on that. That'll attract yeah. fish, They'll get curious, and the bass will come in. That's, had a lot of good days in the spring, just, just kind of running around the lake, looking for little drains and runs and
0: stuff. Yeah. And, and our lakes mostly here, it's gotta be some kind of a pipe or a culvert to create that. We don't really have those Creek natural drains being that we don't really have reservoirs. we got more natural lakes. So it's okay. typically gotta be a stream. It's gotta be a culvert. It's gotta be something like that, but that's definitely a good tip. Uh, what's up, Kyle. Nice. You can make it. Uh, you missed a bunch. You're going to have to watch the replay. We're, we're already into the bedding phase. Um, the lizard is good. Definitely Gary. Um, and that's the baby brush hog does a great job of imitating a lizard, uh, a, you know, a lot of things. Um, Zoom super hog is a good one. Right. Uh, what's it's up, white fun. whale? Ultravibe speak worm and speak beavers last two weeks. Actually, are one of the best. And yeah, those are good baits. Like to me, when the fish are right before they spawn through when they spawn, it's really hard to beat soft plastics. I mean, like that. So I love to throw jigs. But the one time a year that I definitely kind of tend to default more to plastics is when I feel like the fish are around the spawn. I feel like it just gets more bites. It's easier to keep that bait in the bed. Uh, To me, and maybe it's just a confidence thing, but I feel like soft plastics excel during the spawn more than maybe other times of the year.
1: I've had times where um, I was getting a lot of those. You you talked about the fish picking, picking it up and moving off the bed. Uh, not being able to get a hook into them. I mean, e- even setting back against them, sometimes that will be a problem, obviously because they don't have the hook part of the bait in their mouth. But um, I found that sometimes going to a jig, it's got sure. a hook. Sometimes you seem to get the hook in a few more fish for whatever reason. And I'll, I'll shorten that, that trailer up. Um, I saw somebody mention the um, speed crawl. Um, that's a shorter, they don't have near as much to grab a hold of um, versus say a beaver. That's Texas. They got a lot more meat they can hold on to that little, like a 516th ounce finesse jig or something with a little speed crawl, or even the smally beaver or something on the back. They got to get a little bit more of it. And I've, I've had a few days where that made a difference, you know. From yeah, I think that's probably
0: not necessarily that it was the jig. It's that it was more compact, right? Like, so you could do You could throw a Texas rig speed crawl. You could throw a Texas rig tube. You could throw uh, a smaller profile creature bait something that doesn't have like a lot of tentacles. So yeah, if you're getting the, the Z does super hot would be a good one for that. Um, you know, it doesn't have a lot of back-end tentacles. It's kind of compact. That's all good stuff um, for sure. Let's see 6M soft swim bait, swim job, or swim jig or top water, plus a first light, the last light for the bigs. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, spawn, I guess up here we see a lot of the fish our water, we're, we're blessed and cursed with clear water, so it does, it means, you know, sometimes we can't get away with as many reaction baits and things like that and big, big, heavy spinner baits, um, but it does mean that we can see a lot of things and it does change the thing, uh, so up here, uh, we do get to bed fish a lot, we get to see a lot of fish, you know, we get to try, like, white baits and, and swim baits and drop shots and doing all those things and actually, like, tantalizing the fish, which is a lot of fun, um, a couple tricks there, I think, A white is really good if you can get them to eat it because it helps you see it. Um, If the fish aren't really responding to it, I think a natural color is good. You're going to get more bites on natural color. Um, For me, to close the deal, a drop shot is really uh, a really great tool. Actually, let me grab my – I don't have my bed box in the boat yet, but where did I? I think I have it here.
1: So that's because you can leave that bait stationary, you know your weight sitting in the bed, but yet you can you can lower, you know, you can into your line and cause movement without your bait actually moving the as far. As the yeah, that's
0: that's the beauty of it. You can get it to just kind of you can pick it up and let it flutter and pick it up. You, I use a pretty heavy drop, like a three ounce or quarter out for being really shallow water. Um, yeah, so like a white tube. This is all my white baits. Like I have this white tube with these. This is not the right bag, but little fire red tips that can be good. Um, a baby white rage craw. That's one of those compact, like a, a small baby rage craw is a good bait to drag if you're getting short strikes. Um, I like these big bite baits, uh, warmouths in different colors. They have some bright bluegill imitations that are good for bed fishing when you can see them. Uh, White, I got a lot of white creatures and rage bugs. Um, this is probably my favorite drop shot bait, is this little perch-colored tube. It's like a little two-inch tube. It's pretty small. But it's it's bright enough that I can see it, but it's got coloration in there uh, that definitely does a good job of imitating a bluegill or a perch or, or something like that that definitely would be raiding the nest. And then I'll just put that on a little Nico hook, and I'll almost I'll thread it in there I don't have one handy, but not just nose hook it, but I'll thread it in so the hook is like coming out right where the tentacles are. So that if they do like try to just like, like just try to mouth it, they're gonna, you got them. Like, you know, right. you're, you're putting that hook right behind those tentacles, and that can be uh, really deadly. That's a, this is a, and, and this is a, is a good sneaky bait. Um, other drop shot baits I like, these little, Josh Douglas got me hooked on these a while back. These little Biofex biovex colt tails and colt shads. <clears throat> There's this little bright green color that just glows in the water. The fish don't seem to like, they don't really like that, and you can see it pretty well. Um so I got some more warmouths, I got a whole bunch of those. My PB Ever down in Amistad came on an eight-inch white lake fork lizard. Hmm. So that's like I said, I mean, don't forget the lizard. Um yeah, here's a. I got a, a warm mouth out of the pack. That's what the uh, big bite baits. Danny Brown or uh, sorry, Dean Rojas talks about those. But that's if there if there's a lot of bluegills around raiding the nest, this can trigger fish uh, pretty good.
1: Well, like um, the lizard was good for Dean Rojas too, wasn't it? The what? The white lizard was pretty good for Dean Rojas. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what he caught the record on. This yeah. is kind of
0: a sneaky bait, the Demiki Hydra. <clears throat> yeah. Like you can fish that in like a green pumpkin or white, but those something about those tails and those tentacles really float. That can get a fish going, especially smallies. Um what else sneaky in here? I got some Dimiki air craws. I don't really use those, but I got them. Um, um, yeah, I got a lot of warmouse, a few other things. Those are kind of my basic things. Sometimes a little paddle-tail swim bait. Uh, There are some things where I definitely will throw like a bigger creature bait. I will throw a swim bait in there. I will have some bigger baits on the deck to sometimes trigger them and get that, like, like you're just ignoring what I'm putting in there. Sometimes I got to put a big lizard or a big jig or a big creature or float a swim bait in there. And then they'll be like, all of a sudden their attitude will change. Then you can go back in there with the drop shot or the tube and be like, ding, like real quick. So that's some of my. My Texas rig and the tube on the drop shot? No, I'm using the exposed hook. I'll show one quick. I'll show you. I don't have a drop shot handy, but let me. Uh, and I think one that's something that's new uh, that definitely a lot of people are is uh, well, I think a, a Ned rig can be really good on a bed. Like that's a type of thing where it's like there's if they pick it up, they got it right. There's that's all hooked. That can be especially for smallies. A Ned rig is is deadly. This is not it's the right. By box. the way,
1: one, one says you Ron, Ron's the Ron's the Malax guy that's going to be coming up there next Sunday. He said he okay. loves the classic bass bass sweatshirt. So shout out to the bass. Yeah, sweatshirt.
0: nice. Yeah, that's the. Uh, I fished a few of their derby. So this is basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to take uh like a VMC can't really see that uh, a little straight shank Nico hook and then uh, I'll just thread that on there like this um get that down in there a little bit it's hard to get the bend in here but ah, come on
1: come on man you got to be stronger than food
0: yeah like, like so there i basically want it like that yeah it makes sense and so i probably didn't get it as deep as i could have there but you can literally hide that nose in there and then have that hook just sticking out uh, I would get it back maybe another eighth or quarter inch there. So it's basically just in front of those tentacles. And then if they grab it, they, they got it. So yeah, uh, yeah what I, isn't I, deadly for a on the bed? You know, that is true. There's a lot of aggressive smallies, but if you've been on the or it's my places where they get pressured, they can actually get tough to be, can get tough to catch after a while. Um, but, uh, but these are good. This is good for largies too. Um, A Nico rig can be another good option on a bed if you can see them, for sure. That's another underrated one. Um, I think uh, the Tokyo rig, uh, if you don't like fishing light line, I think you can get by with a power shot for some of these things on a bed. Um, Yeah, and a wacky worm, right? Like if they're shallow and and there's a lot, especially I think you got to look, if there's a lot of bluegills around, and pestering the fish and you see that fish like chasing away bluegills, then I think that's really a key to me to be like, either throw something like a warm mouth. that's a bluegill representation or a wacky rig where it's going to do this. They're more likely to be like, and go and chase it. Right. And then they're just going to eat it um, or a drop shot, something that you can keep up in their face. So if they're pushing worm, like whatever it is, if they're chasing baby bullheads or perch or bluegills or whatever it is, uh, getting something up in the water column a lot of times will trigger them and then some fish like that texas rig or that shaky head or that whatever right down in the nest like in the spot so every fish is a little different you got to just got to have three four five good tools in your quiver and then just rotate through them to see what that fish reacts to yeah
1: bottom line is you can you can see it so you can tell what's going on which is nice. i'm kind of jealous man I, i've done that you know, every once in a while, like the Lake of the Ozarks, and, and uh, some mm-hmm. other lakes where I've been fortunate enough to be there when they're on bed, and I've got to do some sure. but But typically, I'm I'm around this area, and you no, know, it's just a kind of fan casting type of deal. You're fishing for spawners, but you're not doing them. Um, so you want to you want to talk about, a little bit about the post spawn, maybe? Sure. We get there? Yeah. Because yeah. that's we're kind of around here. We're kind of getting towards that. And that, like we said earlier, that's kind of when your your shad spawn and your bluegill spawn. That all that stuff's kind of kind of coming into play. And the, the one thing that happens that I really look forward to is these the grass starts matting up a little bit in our area, and then you start getting into that punching deal. I love I love the punch. It's it's um, something I've kind of just really focused on the last couple of years. I try to pick out a, a new technique every year. This year I think it's going to be deep cranking, but the last couple of years I've been working on uh, punching. And so I'm ready, I'm ready for that to start happening. so those, you know, in the post-spawn, you're going to have a group of fish that's going to kind of hang around in the grass, and then you're going to have a group that will typically go offshore a little bit somewhat. And it also, it depends on the bait. Um, if your water stained, the, the shad population will typically stay shallower, longer. Um, but if your water is clear, you're going to see that move. You know, there's going to be, there's, like I said, there's going to be some fish that just stay in the grass and there's going to be a group that follow the, the shad out and set up offshore. Um, but I'm usually going to be targeting, targeting, you know, that those shallower fish in the whole spawn because they're all going to be kind of resting up and trying to beat up before they start making their way to their summer, summer areas, summer hangouts. So that's kind of what's it's a, for me, it's like a frog toad, um, punch in and then a swim jig on the outside of the grass line. up on to play, but that's that last. It kind of gets kind of tough there for a little bit, and then they start feeding up. And you got a really good grass bite going on for several weeks, and then you can go do what you want. You know, you can stay shallower. You can go chase those offshore fish. So you got you got some more options there. So what about what about your neck of the woods? What usually goes on yeah. up there?
0: Oh, Gary said shad or chase the so, To me, I'm not a shad spot expert, but that tells me there's a shad spot happening,
1: right? Yep, yep. That's a that's a shad thing yeah so and i had had that happen in the last couple days too or last couple weeks
0: so that's a telltale sign that the spawn is close to the end and they're about to be post-spawn and the shad are good right because like there's i mean every year is a little different right in the water temps but that usually tells you that you're going to be trans that's a visual cue to you that if you're seeing that shad spawn if you're seeing the shad following your swim gig following your top water following your bladed jig spinner bait that that's that's the transition's about to happen or it's
1: already happened right so right yeah you're right on the you're, you're right on the end of that spawn going towards the post spawn right there is, you know your bait are doing that yeah that's and that usually happens that shad spawn usually happens in low light conditions low light periods uh-huh. first first hour or so in the morning in on a cloudy day it'll go longer if you got steep hill and you got shade on there for a little bit longer it can last till you know, nine or 10 in the morning sometimes um, underneath the rocks. Um, I've, I've been seeing the gizzard chat up in the grass the last couple of weeks spawning, which is, which is kind of cool. I'm talking eight to 10 inch gizzard chat up there. And uh, you think they're, you think they're brim or bluegill swimming out, but you get a good look at and you'll see the little black tail chat. So that, that, that was happening a couple of weeks ago. And that was kind of my mental trigger that, you know, this is starting to transition. This is, this is happening. And, um, once those fish figure out that that's going on, once the bass figure out that the shatter up there doing that, you can have some really good days. It just, it kind of takes them, in my opinion, or from my, my experience, it takes them just a little bit to figure out that that's going on, but once they figure it out they start finding out how to hoard those fish and it can be, it can be epic. You know, your top can come into play, your jerk baits, anything that's white will work if you get into the right situation.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So definitely, this is where things definitely start to like differ <laughs> from where I fish. So one, we don't have any shad, so there is no shad spawn. Even on the Mississippi River where there's shad, guys that I know fished the River their whole life, obviously they spawn there, <laughs> but there is not like a shad spawn. Like they don't know where it happens or how it happens or like, it's not like you're talking about or what they talk about down south. So that that's interesting. I, I really want to to get on that sometime because I think that sounds like a ton of fun. But so, yeah, like for us, the the bass spawn, uh, a lot of times the crappies are right in there around that same time. <clears throat> um, it happens fairly shallow. You definitely see it here visually almost on all of our lakes, except for – there's a few that are dirty, but the great majority of lakes, you're going to see them. Um, and then to me, there's so a certain amount of fish that get out pretty quick. Like they'll start getting on those outside weed edges really quick where the green weeds are coming up. There's also a certain amount of fish that like to lag shallow, especially some of the bigger fish. Like those big females will tend to lag. And I find it's a good time to throw that ring fry or that jig um, around uh, pad stem clumps. Boat docks that are shallow and weedy, uh, lay downs. Isolated cover tend to be able to pick off some really big females that are just recovering, recovering, recuperating before they, they they make their migration out to that deeper water. And some of them stay shallow all year, but uh, it's it's kind of a, typically where our fish spawn in almost all the lakes, there's a lot of grass, especially when we're talking about largemouth, where they can kind of go into the grass clumps, they can kind of find some cover, they can kind of rest, eat a few bluegills, and head out. Um, we do have a bluegill spawn that usually comes in right on the heels, uh, and obviously they spawn in, in several ways. Um, so fish will definitely stay shallow. We definitely have those fish uh, that will the prey on the bluegills and get the revenge. That I'd much, you know, early post spawn, I'd much rather target those uh, nest rate, uh, bluegill nest riders than going out deep right away. Um, but you can definitely get out and start fishing jigworms on the weed lines and stuff like that, and drop shots and, and getting out in there really quick. Um, the top water start to play very shortly um, over the grass flats as well. A swim jig is a good good way to cover water in Minnesota post-spawn uh, just to figure out where they are. Then fish, they come up and they'll chase, you know, uh, a bluegill colored uh, swim jig is really good to help you understand where those fish are and help you and track them down. Um, five best baits for post-spawn. Um, I would say a Nico rig, uh, a weightless ring fry like this fished around shallow cover, skipped it under boat docks, things like that. A swim jig to cover water. Uh, A frog will start to play in that immediate post-spawn, especially if they're chasing bluegills. That's a fun way to catch fish that are targeting bluegills is with a frog. Um, Number five. Probably just a jig. (laughs) Just because. Uh, What about you? What's your five post-spawn?
1: I, I would say the frog, the punch rig, um, wacky rig. It's hard to say. It's hard to keep it to five. Uh, for yeah. for uh, I like Texas rig. I like that that little baby brush hog with an eighth-ounce weight. Mm-hmm. I do like ring fry, kind of serve the same purpose. And then if you're going out deep, I like, a, I like an underspin. Um, I put a little fluke mm-hmm. or a small high-tech, like a – well, uh, usually I use the, the little dipper actually. That's the, my swim bait of choice. But on a on a light underspin to catch those yeah. suspenders moving out there. And then on the bottom, uh, a, a jig, you know, like a three quarter ounce football jig or something like that.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's definitely starting. I mean it's kinda of, like post spawn is kind of an evolution. Like the immediate post spawn, I would say wacky rigs, Nico right. rigs, that uh, a swim jig and like uh like a weightless ring fry, something like that, a baby brush on. Yeah. So during the spawn, and this is kind of what, what I'm talking about, Sycamore says, you know, the male stays on the bed, the female leaves. That short window is what I'm talking about here. That female, to me, especially where I fish, is going to find the first little drop, the heaviest cover, the shittiest spot within 50 yards of that bed, something pretty close, maybe a little further. But they want, they're want they going to want to get into heavy cover Like, when they first leave the bed, to me, they're going to get into heavy cover and hang out for a day or two, maybe a week, before they, like, get into their summer routine. And that's where I'm talking about, you know, if you fish slow, weightless, you typically got to be stealthy. That's a good time to throw a glide bait, a frog, something that's, like, looks like a good meal to them, but looks easy enough for them to get where they don't have to exert a ton of energy, but it's a good meal. Um, The wacky rig. Those are all good things like that. I think that to, to, to get those immediate post-spawn females, they're not going to go far most of the time for a day or two. They need to kind of like <sighs> like recuperate, <laughs> eat something, and then they'll figure out whether they want to go into the pads, if they want to go down this bank, if they want to go out on a point, if they whatever, start chasing spa or shad, bluegills, whatever. Um, so that, that's my thoughts on it. What do yeah. you
1: think? I'm with you on that. You'll, you'll go – You'll catch, um, you'll catch the bucks, and a lot of times the the females are hard to come by there for a little bit. There's a little short period where they're it's a little bit tough, but I don't think they go far. I really don't. I think they're uh, they're tucked up in the cover, like you said. They're gonna they're gonna go to a little bit deeper water and drop. But they're not gonna be that far away. They're gonna rest up. And then I think yeah. Yeah. they know they know that those bluegill. They know that there's more food coming shortly. A lot of times, And mm-hmm. like some of. To move off and some of them are going to hang around and then that's going to last for well that can last all the way through the summer for you know those shallow fish. That can be
0: a, uh, can be a solid month for those right. ones that are waiting for those bluegills to roll in. Yeah so I would say look for the heaviest thickest cover closest to the spotting area. Right. To the beds and slow down. Right. Like don't just throw a spinnerbait by a big weed clump. Drop something in there and let it multiple times you know don't just fish by a uh a weeded up lay down get in there and like pick it
1: apart uh, right yeah you got to be a little more thorough you definitely got to be more a little more thorough and, and those offshore fish this, the same way they came in is the way they're going to go out most of the time you know they're gonna you, if you got a flat in the back of a pocket and you got a secondary point and then you got a main leg point you're they're going to Sit on that secondary point sometimes. So you just kind of you kind of got to work in reverse, you know, for those offshore fish. And as far as the fish that are going to stay shallow, you know, kind of the same thing. They're going to be on the outside weed edge holding there. And just you just covered it. And basically what you just said, man, just uh just about being thorough, and being patient. But um, it can get tough though. It can get kind of you know it it's the, the post spawn blues is is a real thing. I've had some days where it gets pretty tough. But but there are windows that when they do decide to feed up, um, I, I always think of Kentucky Lake. You know, it's it's a tradition when they go out to the ledges. They make their way out to the main river channel. But there is a period in there where it's pretty tough. They're in transition. Um, they're they're going to swim. Let's just say they're going to swim a 1,000 yards to get to that ledge from their spawning area. There's a period of time where they're in between, and, and they're hard to find. They're like a ghost fish. You know, all of a sudden, they get out there. It's game on. If You can find them. Um, they're hungry. They're ready to feed up. They've they've done what their their mind is focused on feeding up. So if you can if you can locate those tools, you can get you can get right in a hurry and get really, really good. It just takes a little time for them to get out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then that's like really where getting in that post-spawn, depending on where you are and the type of lake and the forage. That's where it really it starts to get diverse. Like so, like you really got to start thinking about where do those fish want to go, where do they want to be, where do they want to be eating, and that's where you really just have to start using your mind and what lake you're fishing to make those good decisions. So,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, you guys have that mayfly hatch up there too, right? Yeah, that's definitely uh,
0: it. Happens on our bigger bodies of water, and then it's definitely on the river. Happens a lot. Like okay. uh, so like Malax has a big fish fly hatch, uh, and the lakes, the smaller lakes around those big lakes will have it, but it's definitely not all the lakes. Um, it definitely can do some weird things for smallies. It, that can be a good time to throw those little stupid hair jigs, <laughs> like those little 16 ounce hair jigs,
1: yeah,
0: right. uh, on the river. It can be a good time to really downsize and throw a really small quarter ounce popper, really eight ounce buzz baits, uh, things like that.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Yes. We don't have the, we, actually we do have a little bit of a mayfly hatch and I've got the experience that a couple times. Um, it's nothing. Yeah. What you have. We have a lot of dragonflies, though. That can be, that's kind of an overlooked pattern. That usually happens uh-huh. in late summer. Um, that's when your wacky rig can come in, like a June bug. If, if you find that the, the dragonflies in your area are like that dark blue color, which is pretty common, they'll yeah. be a light blue. And I don't know my dragonfly species, of course, or anything about them, but I do know what color they are. Um, so if you just take a little four inch stickworm wacky rig, when that's going on or like an ultra vibe speed worm um texas rig weightless and reel it in something about that in my areas will trigger some really good top water bites when the dragonfly hatch is going on those those small the frog junior
0: frogs yeah if you're seeing, if you're seeing those dragonflies like i think you just did a video about that but i think that's a good time to bring those back uh is when you see those like yeah Sometimes just like a, 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 and I would say a, 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 a wacky rig could be good, but and probably like the four inch sometimes, right? Like you might want to, uh, or a rig it Texas rig. If you're on heavy cover, just rig it Texas rig, uh, and and you can almost just like swim it and let it flutter a little bit, and so like you don't need to fish it super slow. You just need to kind of bring it in, let it drop, and like hit because they're usually around pads or weeds or like so you're gonna drop it in pockets and things like that. That can be uh,
1: can be really good. <laughs> they like that shape, you know that pencil shape right. the dragonflies thorax or whatever it looks like body so,
0: absolutely it's sneaky good thing like for sure i don't think you need to go out and get like those weird dragonfly baits
1: like that's i don't think that's overrated in my book <laughs> Suckered into one of those like the lunker hunt dragonfly active yeah. on clearance and I'm, well, i don't know i haven't taken it out of the back yet but i didn't yeah. get suckered into that it All right. Happens.
0: Well, thanks guys that are, some guys are tuning in. Some guys are rolling out. I appreciate everybody that stopped back. I think we got a few more minutes here. We're to go unless, are you good on time still? Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm good. All right. Um, so yeah, we were just kind of wrapping up the spawn. Um, I guess I want to touch on a little bit, like I was gonna, to, uh, pop this up. Just one, people that maybe aren't familiar with, uh, your channel. So tin horse Monty on, uh, on the old YouTube. Uh, I guess maybe, maybe like give people a clue on, like, I guess you do, you stream as well. I think you stream on Monday nights. What time and what?
1: Yeah. Um, I do a stream with Backyard Bassin on Monday night, 7 p.m. So one week it'll be on his channel and then the other next week it'll be on. Okay. 20 sure.
0: Weeks. Cool. And then, like, what, if you want to summarize, like, what types of videos do you do? we kind of talked about where you are, but like, do you do tournaments? Do you do fun fit? Like what, what do you what kind of describe your right niche or your, what you value you bring, I guess, or what's, what's interesting or unique, I guess.
1: Yeah. I'd say majority of my uh, videos are geared towards um, somewhat local um, bodies of water, but also stuff that you can take and, and use anywhere. So, um, I do a lot of day trips around here and I'll go and kind of capture my day. And I try to, I try to take time, um, which, which you know is hard to do while you're fishing as a, you know, um, a YouTuber, but I try to take time to talk about the techniques that I'm using throughout the day, what I'm kind of looking for, my mindset, I'm trying to put a pattern together, um, different, different scenarios. I I just try to teach a little bit, you know, of what I know, which at times isn't much, but I try to share it. Share as much of that information as I can, and then I do. I do some tips and technique stuff. I do do some tournaments. Um, I did. Uh, I'm fishing the Ozark Division of the BFLs this year, and we got one tournament. We got one tournament in on Table Rock, and one on Lake of the Ozarks. But unfortunately, our April and May tournaments were pushed back to September. So I'll have um, I'll have a Truman tournament, another Lake of the Ozarks tournament going on there, and then I fish some uh, some local. Um, tournament circuits. We'll have some Wednesday nighters coming up here in a couple weeks. I'll be doing that. Uh-huh. I got some bass club stuff, tournament footage, um, but and then I, and then I also have some um, you know some John boat stuff on there. I did some John boat modifications to a new boat I bought. So I went. Yeah, there. I was just gonna ask you that.
0: So like for people that are like John boat, small boat guys, like I think you got some good videos on there. On like maybe how to set it up, how to how to make a fishing boat. Uh, into like, or how, how to get a flat and make it a fishing boat, or like give it those upgrades, those small tweaks to to make it a bassin boat, I guess maybe instead of just a duck boat or a fishing boat.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, try to try to make a small boat fish like a big boat. And it's uh, I've had aluminum boat for forever. Um, I also got a 20, I got a five twenty too, a Ranger five twenty. But I don't, I don't get that out quite as much. That's fixing to change because we're building a house and we're going to be right next door to where that yeah. stored. Um, but it's just mm-hmm. a lot easier for me to wheel my little aluminum John boat out there and hook it up. And sure. Off. Hey,
0: it he catches fish. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. Uh, they're they're <laughs> yeah. awesome A lot, a lot of guys on the Mississippi river, they, fish, they have flats and they have their bass boats. So they'll fish all week. They'll practice in their flats and then they bring out their, their big boats just for the tournaments. We do right. have a, uh, the world's best net man has just joined the chat. Sobe's here. So um, world's best So, yeah, Sam's Toby. He's a, it's a small content creator out of Minnesota. you probably never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think – do you, you fish those uh, BFLs as a co or a boater?
1: I forget. I fished as a co, yeah. I fished, sure. a, I fished the, the LPL division, which is the uh, Lake and Barkley division, for about five years, and I kind of took a break from there because the lake was kind of on a decline, and and the, the – uh, the rates, you know, the entry fees kept going up and it kind of got frustrated. Uh-huh. Um, some of the local tournaments I fish as a boater as I love the front, you know, i do some tournaments, but um, I have intention intentions of going to the boater side eventually. Um, but that's, that's, been, you know, that's kind of my, my channel. You know? So I, I, man, I enjoy it. It's fun. You know, it's, it's I uh, I don't get to go fishing as much as I, as I like. So when I'm at home reviewing, Clips and days on the water and doing my editing, it kind of makes me feel like um fishing again in a way, in a sense. Right. You know, it just, it kind of fills in a little void. So,
0: yeah, 100%. Uh, so, as you said, like September and October on the Ozark Lakes, like that just screams to me, locking a chopper or a plopper and a buzzbait and just yeah. like all day, like get your yeah. shoulders
1: ready, get, get in shape. Like, just, that's
0: right. like, like, like,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, that's a big deal down there on those Ozark lakes. You know, you always hear about that black buzz bait in November and the flopper and the whopper and the and toad. And, of course, a jig a jig is always good down there. Um, yeah, i mean, like,
0: kind of the of what your, your boater is going to do, but, like, be prepared to throw a topwater all day and just cover banks. Like,
1: Yeah. That could be a deal. Yeah. Um, before we get off here, though, um, great job the other night on your stream with the bait man really enjoyed that and it that um that kind of gave me some insight i didn't realize that you had a lot of tournament experience over the years um and i didn't realize your knowledge of all those baits and stuff that were sitting behind you you got a that's pretty impressive man i enjoyed that stream i watched it uh i watched it nine and a half. and a half so so good job and then the then the stream what was it last week where the, the bait builder was on there the guy that uh, guy yeah. that made the baits that was pretty cool too so I think those. I think those.
0: Like, I know they're a little expensive, but I think those will catch them where you live. I,
1: I I was looking at them pretty hard, man. I was like, <laughs> they look like uh, how you said he took that big block of resin and he used like mm-hmm. the, um, what was He's it? He's like
0: though? a CNC machine or something to router them out, basically. Yeah, the two yeah. halves of them, like bonding them together, and so it's it's really unique. Uh, I haven't fished them a ton. Impressed with them so far. Uh,
1: so. Yeah, good stuff, man. I've enjoyed a lot of your stuff. So, just uh, yeah, all in the back. The one thing it. about
0: one thing about creating content, you definitely don't like get as much time to watch other people. So, I've been trying to catch up on some of your stuff as well. Because, yeah. uh, like, but I found that like these streams are a good way to like keep a rhythm. Like, it's a good way to put out a decent chunk of content and decent amount of watch hours, and just kind of do it on the fly without. I mean, you could have good content without editing it for four hours like uh with having a guest like this i think it's really good uh yeah i enjoyed it yeah we're definitely have to grease them. my motor's not working so well so you might have to take mercy on me and let me uh ride in that vexus one time yeah if you haven't checked out soby's channel you might want to check that out he's he's uh he's he's legit like he's uh he uh he's a super good dude he's an all right fisherman um <laughs> but, uh, his, his videography and editing skills will put ours to shame so wow. you can definitely learn some things from uh, good. sobe so
1: yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to look like so, in. but uh, yeah we and it actually if
0: you want a really good we each did a video we fished a fun tournament in October uh, together and we we just smoked them it was a ton of fun and we, we both did a video version of that and it, uh, it, it shows mm-hmm. you how much better he is at video content creator than I am um, but uh, it also shows who caught the most fish. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for sure. So I think we're kind of wrapping up. I think we'll probably do more of this. Maybe I'll jump on one of your guys' streams sure. uh, if you'll have me. Or down the road, we'll pick a different content and have you back on. I mean, we had some some good vibes here. Uh, make sure you check out Tin Horse Monty. Uh, if you're not subscribed to me already, Hellabass, uh, you can find me on social media at Hellabass uh, and just about anywhere um and i think you have an instagram out if you're super active there but that's what at 10 horse Monte 6 um uh, there'll be links down in the description to all that there already is uh and then once the, this goes live it'll be in there um so yeah make sure you check out his he's got some good content uh you definitely can learn some things especially especially if you don't live in the northern half of the country Uh, actually some of your content will probably be a lot more relevant to people that have shad and some of that stuff. So I think there's a lot of valuable stuff out there too. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I kind of say there's an evolution of like fishing channels and I really feel like, uh, I'm here to like teach people how to fish and I want people to learn stuff. I want to entertain you a little bit, but I also want to teach you a lot. So, um, you know, it may not be quite as flashy as some of the stuff that's out there and it may not be as outrageous, but I think if you really want to learn fishing, some of these smaller, moderate channels can really help you catch some fish. So.
1: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. That's kind of where my mindset is to, you know, um, I don't hide anything on my channel. If I'm catching on a certain bait, I'll throw it right in front of the lens and show it to you. Um, talk about mm-hmm. why why I'm fishing that, um, which sometimes I feel may hurt me. Um, these bodies of water that I fish are small. You know, a lot of guys will don't tell you, they'll tell you they're on lake decks, but I would like somebody that's in my area to know of that lake and be able to go there and maybe duplicate something that I did and and have a great day on the water and catch fish, you know, because you can't take this knowledge with you. And, um, I just, just the fact that there's been several times, and I know this has happened with you as well, where somebody will stop me on the water and say, Hey dude, or talk to me in the parking lot and say, Hey dude, I watched that video you did at such and such Lake. And I went there and I fished those same kind of areas with similar baits. And I, I had a great day. Me and my buddy caught fish. And to me that hits me right there, man. Cause that's, I'm like, dude, that you couldn't tell me anything better. Cause that's what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to share a little bit of something. And I like these, uh, a lot of, a lot of the comments are really nice too. Cause people will share stuff with you too. And we're all kind of sharing, trying to help each other catch more fish uh-huh. and have yeah, fun. Life's supposed to be fun. You know, life's not supposed to be a bunch of secrets and, you know, taking all the, the accolades for yourself, I think is you should really, really share and try to help people catch more fish. So, yep.
0: Somebody asked for a link to Sobi's channel. You, SOBI, you can't miss him. He's got 44,000 subs. So I don't know that he really needs a link to his channel, but trust me, you can find him if you search SOBI. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody, uh, DJ yeah. wants to know, are you, are you putting up a video of you and Phil?
1: Yeah, I'm working on that, dude. I got a, Geez, I've got three or four videos Ahead of that one, I'm getting really backed up, I, you know It's crazy how if you get a little Bit lazy and you just kind of let these clips Sit on, sit on the SD cards, next thing you know you got four or five Videos sitting there, so that one's like Number four, I finished One last night and I got another one a little grassy From a, from a tournament over there And then the Whopper one will be Next, but um, guys that are Here for my channel, go please go check Hella Bass out and give him a Give him a watch. It's good stuff. Lots to learn there. And like he just said, speaking about his um, followers um, on my channel, being south, you can learn a lot from from up north too. From the guys that are watching, they're coming here from my channel. So, and we'll definitely have you on um on our live stream sometime in the near future, man, if you'll. And I can yeah. definitely teach you
0: another pike up here. So.
1: All that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pickerel around here, the grass pike. We call them grass pike. The little chain pickerel.
0: Yes, they're like
1: yeah we don't get like i mean we get pike <laughs> you know, we get musky too we do have musky in some of these lakes down there we actually got a uh a, a world-class musky fishery it's called kincaid lake it's in southern Illinois it's got sure. some 48 50 52 inch fish in it so um but yeah man uh we'll have you on definitely It'd be great to, great to chat chad says we'll see
0: how much mm-hmm. info we're showing when Kirby. hey you go watch my tournament recaps last year i wasn't holding anything that you can see every single fish catch except for when my batteries died in my gopro like i'm not afraid of nothing. like you can go back and see where i caught all those fish in the state tournaments and all that stuff but they're all there i do recaps i'm not hiding anything so i mean like yeah like i'm not going to show you I, i typically won't launch the practice video until after the tournament but once the derby's done it's it's all coming out like i'm not i'm not worried about it like
1: yeah so well, if you know the lake, if you know the lake that the video is on, a lot of times you can find some of those spots. And like tournament
0: tur- tournament videos are, are, most of our, most of the tournaments I'm fishing are bigger tournaments. Um, and so I'm putting the name of the lake. And these are like big tournament lakes. Like, so I'm not like, it's not, I mean, a lot of the things I do, um, I don't typically name the lake. But I'll let you know a little secret. I fill out an Omnia fishing report. On all my lakes. So if you want to know where I've been, let me just uh, uh let me uh, just show you guys something here cool. Where is my let's see here? Uh,
1: bear with me. All right. I wasn't trying to show throw shade on you either by by saying
0: that. No, not fine. Uh... <laughs> Oh, thanks for joining, Bill. Uh, just, uh, now my, my my true friends are showing up, the ones that uh, that want to give me the most grief. Uh, Let me... Uh, I think that's the one I want. All right, now we got... Uh, yeah, there we go. So Omnia Fishing, in my... If you go into my public profile on Omnia Fishing, which there's be links in the description, you can see fishing reports from everywhere I've been lately. So if you're wondering what little sneaky lake I'm on, I'll put it here. I won't, like, blast it out on YouTube. But if low-key you want to go in through here and catch them, that's where you'll know where I've been fishing. So there you go. And then you can see the links to the, the products and things like that that I've been catching them on. So there's your sneaky um, and then Promity Fishing, if you guys, they're they're really cool up-and-coming um, uh, tackle company. And uh, there's links down in the description. If you guys want, you can use the code. I'll put this in the chat right here. That will save you 15% on just about anything they have. So I know Tackle Warehouse isn't running any sales right now because they're so behind. So if you want someplace that you can save a little money, uh, and they have a lot of the bait, you know, most of the stuff, they got Zoom, they got Sunline, they got Gamis, they got Strike King, they got a lot of the stuff. You're getting, Jack thing, but, you got jackhammers, things like. You want to save 50 percent on jackhammers? Check out Omnia Fishing and use that code. So, yeah,
1: it doesn't want to save
0: fifteen percent. Yeah, they and they yeah. got free shipping and stuff like that, and they're they're not backed up, so they're shipping like same day or next day. So, like if you live where you live and you order something on a Monday, uh, I'm guessing you'll have it on a Wednesday with no shipping. So, yeah. not a bad option.
1: I like supporting those smaller, semi-smaller companies. You know, Tackle Warehouse has got plenty of business. I mean, (laughs) you know what I'm saying?
0: They're not going to, they're not going to die without you. (laughs) Or one of if five of us go shopping at a new place. Tackle Warehouse will continue on. (laughs) And I still shop there. I mean, there's stuff that they got. They they have stuff that you can't get anywhere else. Um, And so that's, uh, but Omnia is legit and they're up and coming and they're, they're adding stuff all the time. So they're definitely worth taking a shot, taking a look um so but uh yeah i think we'll we're, we're creeping on two hours we had uh almost 30 viewers there so that's like a new record for me i don't know what kind of numbers you guys pull on your stream but this is only like my third stream so we're, we're climbing we're not quite big man where he hit like 1100 viewers the other night which i was like that was nuts um but uh keep tuning in everyone tonight next week i kind of am targeting a swim bait show either uh, a buddy of mine that really likes swim baits or i might try to have the uh the founder of dream smasher swim baits come on talk about his baits as well as talk about swim baits. He knows a lot about glide baits and swim baits in general. So I'm kind of thinking a swim bait show next week. So watch my community tab, watch for announcements on social, um, Instagram, hella Bass, uh, do a swim bait show next week. So I think that's a tentative plan.
1: Oh, cool. I'll be watching. I'll be tuning in. If I'm, if I'm not on the water, I'll definitely be checking it out. Do you guys, you, guys you
0: guys have a topic for
1: your Monday night stream next week? Well, yeah, man. We usually figure that out the day of. <laughs> so, All right. Well,
0: here's what you could go leave a comment and tell them what you wanted to talk about. Just any video and say, talk about this on Monday night.
1: Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. We're trying to put a, we're trying to put a uh, little tournament together. Um, kind of um, match fishing style, you know, with Joe Thomas. Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. So like two periods in the front for each angler. Four periods combined, and it's going to be. Well, I thought it was just going to be bragging rights, but come to find out, the loser is going to have to wear a pink shirt that has some kind of saying yet to be decided on the back of it, and they're going to have to wear that shirt in their next two videos. So, so that's you and backyard, is that me and backyard? Yeah. So that's going to go down. I think uh, not this upcoming Wednesday. Like actually next Wednesday. So a week from today, I think is the date that we said we're just going to go to a, uh, a local local uh, lake. It's about a 150 acre lake around here. And he just blew his motor up. So he's got to fish out of my boat now. He, he lost the option to fish out of his boat. So we'll be <laughs> my, we'll be on my 16 foot aluminum boat um, duking it out, man. I'm, it'll be fun. It'll be a friendly, friendly competition. But there is a little bit of sweat on the line. Yeah, I think that the, whatever's on the shirt should definitely be like a tribute or
0: an homage to the other person's like, you know, like, yeah, they're better than me. I wish uh, I, like I'm that person's bass boat jockey. I'm like, I don't
1: know, I'm, 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 I'm a good net man or, or something like
0: that.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. We're trying to we're still trying to come up with that. And, and, and like on the live stream last week, we told a to comment on if they've got any ideals. Family friendly. Yeah. Cool. Right. But, so we'll see what happens. And that's, gonna, that's just, you just gonna record that or is that something you're going to try to do live? I
0: missed no. that we'll just do a couple of videos. It. Okay. All right. So you'll each have kind of a, at least one or two videos, maybe like a first half, second half, or depending on how, how good, depends how good the fishing is, how many fish catches there are to stuff in the video, right? Like, or, nice. like, yeah. or if one guy just blows the other guy out and I'm like, oh, it's one video, <laughs> or if it's like, you know, it could be really cool. be like first period, like first two periods, second two periods, if it's a close back and forth, that could be some, some good content for sure. Try to build the drama.
1: Hopefully, we're not out there showing, uh, showing the viewers how to tie our favorite knots. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's gonna be fun either way. I'm looking forward to it.
0: All right. Well, good. This has been awesome. We yeah. can, I, I could always talk fishing for about two more hours. So, but uh, I'm gonna go get my kids tucked in, uh, do some work tonight, and then you can you can probably do some things tonight. And uh, I appreciate having you on. I think we had a, a good conversation. People seem to enjoy it uh and there'll be all kinds of links down in the description if there's anything you missed you can catch the replay uh and there will be an audio version of this on my my podcast which will be links down below too so if you want to listen to this when you're driving or or jogging or walking or whatever and you can't don't have the time to watch it all that's uh that's a a good option as well
1: yeah great man i enjoyed it man thanks for having me on there. all
0: right thanks everybody have a good night and uh as always i would help you catch more fish and suck less